Brandon, the drink now, hasn't Ryan... come out yet. Comes out the twenty first. Oh. Okay, good. Okay, good. So oh, hopefully sense. it'll be widely available to me. You know, I remember yeah. when uh, Mountain Dew Pepsi Whiteout came out. Oh, no, Mountain Dew Whiteout. I could not find that in any store. I I like went to a Seven Eleven that like just trawling around uh, with my mom because this came out when I was in like middle school. Uh, or at least was re-released when I was in middle school. And I was like, uh, oh, there it is. And I drank it. And I was like, I know I have braces and I shouldn't drink this. Fuck it, though. Because this, this shit looks like Come cum out, mixed with Mountain Dew. <laughs> so that's something. <laughs> Brandon, unfortunately, I just I spoiled the flavor for myself. If you want to know, uh, Coca-Cola describes it as notes reminiscent of stargazing around a campfire, as well as a cooling <laughs> sensation that evokes the feeling of a cold journey ah, to space. So they put menthol well, that's in it. not even a reason to drink it anymore. <laughs> put menthol and liquid smoke in it. <laughs> Actually, I mean, legit, there is a Coke, uh, it's a drink in Africa, and it's it's a mint Coke drink, uh, like a mint soda. So they might be bringing that that's over gross. and then adding some shit to it. <laughs> oh, it's nasty! It is. It tastes like carbonated mouthwash. You've had it's it. Not <laughs> hey, honestly yeah, though, yeah. as someone as someone who likes like absinthe and things like that, I think I might be down for like a carbonated mouthwash. That's disgusting. I think yeah. I'd say as someone who frequents drinking mouthwash, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. As someone who <laughs> you get who is ignored, <laughs> why would I spit it back out? That's yeah. such a waste. As someone who's ignored all of the health professionals telling me not to swallow the mouthwash after I'm <laughs> done rinsing, I I think it goes down rather smooth. I mean, Kyle, to be fair, swallowing it is a waste too. I just spit it back in the bottle. I've been using the same <laughs> bottle of mouthwash for the last five years. <laughs> It's sterile, people. It's sterile. They don't want you to know this. <laughs> it started out green, and now it's brown. <laughs> Those are germs that could have been in my mouth that no longer are. <laughs> well, considering okay. how uh, we're talking up a variety of different products, I feel like that's the perfect segue into Hudsucker Proxy. Yes, I'll uh, I'll start us off today. Uh, so I'm thinking, Ryan, since this is my big comeback, uh, clearly, uh, I I want some real like villainous music to come in here because uh, I've officially decided I am the villain of Queen of Clash. <laughs> what the hell? You're um, the person who made it. I don't. <laughs> no, I know, I know. And see, Brendan, I expected you to fill this role with movies that no one else would like, but you would love and cackle at. Um, but yet, here I stand today, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm about to get my shit kicked in for, like, the fourth time in a row. <laughs> so I have my glass of rum. <laughs> I have my swan song argument. And a bunch of moxie. Yeah. So let's fucking get Kino yeah, Clash going. Oh, fuck, moxie it cut out for me. I, yeah, it cut out for me for a second. I thought you said, and I have some oxy. And I was like... Yeah, we're we're going to put purple it. Lamborghini over this part, and you're going to be like the Joker at the beginning of Suicide Squad. 
Oh hell! See, I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, my the status I'm going for is more of like a a doofenshmirtz kind of deal of like, dude, why are you talking very about children's television shows? Come on, man, hard. grow up. Uh, grow up and watch Suicide <laughs> Squad. Yeah, come on. <laughs> like the rest of the adults here. Yeah, Kyle, le- when you're at the mall, can you just leave the Disney store, go about two feet, head into the hot topic, and at least reach like <laughs> middle school level age and stop talking about what Phineas and Ferb? I was a big fan of Phineas and Ferb. I love Still Phineas am. and Ferb. It's fantastic. Yeah. I need to watch the new Phineas and Ferb movie on Disney Plus. There's a Phineas and Ferb movie on Disney Plus? Yeah. I thought the sh- how-, how much is a subscription, Alex? <laughs> I missed the joke. Alex, we are <laughs> under an ad for Disney Plus right now. We are under contract. <laughs> pull this shit. This is. All right, Alex, you're off the payroll. Sorry. Ryan, how much is a Disney Plus subscription? Well, with the Disney bundle, you can book ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus together in one tight package. Uh, somebody checked his uh, email finally. Been, this could have been a nice game, but uh, now it's just nonsense. All right, welcome to episode... This is 12. 12? Yeah, pretty sure 12. it's... 12? Wait. Welcome to episode... Yeah, no, it's 12. It's 12, it's 12. okay. Yeah. Duodecim. Episode 12 of Kino Clash. Who thought we'd make it this far? Dodecahedron. I'm happy we have. <clears throat> I'm happy we have. Um... This matchup, we are putting uh, my... Oh, I'll introduce myself. I am... Uh... <sighs> See, I, <laughs> I am I am a large sigh. <laughs> I, I, am, I am defeated today. That's who <laughs> I'll be. Um, and uh, my, we're going my 14 seed, uh, the Hudsucker Proxy, versus Alex's 3 seed, Whiplash. Um, and who is Alex? <laughs> Me, Alex, your partner in crime. And I am Brendan. And I'm I'm Ryan from Kino Clash. <laughs> of Kino Clash fame. <laughs> of Kino Clash notoriety. Right. This is going to be a very disjointed intro. Um, this is our first ever Kyle Alex matchup, everybody. Oh, is um, it? It is. Huh. This is the first ever. I think the only one remaining is a Brendan Alex matchup. No, wasn't um, Ratatouille against? No, that was Ryan. Hmm. Yeah, that was another one where you lost to Ryan. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and get into my 14 seed, the Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, per usual, I don't have the description pulled up, so one moment. Are too far away. All right, where's the IMDb? All right, IMDb says of the Hudsucker Proxy. Now I do not care about the marvelous Miss Maisel right now. Thank you, though. Um, a naive business graduate is installed as president of a manufacturing company as part of a stock scam. Once again, I think that's a pretty good description. I think that's as vague as I would want it. Um, Anybody else? Anybody else got anything? I don't, I don't know. know. Pretty good. I don't think That's... it captures the tone of this. No, movie. it doesn't. It makes it seem almost more like normal. Yeah, it makes it seem like it's going for like a Citizen Kane 
style when it's really like a parody of Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. That so Brendan, that's a really good segue because uh, that there was a letterboxed review. <laughs> Uh, Ooh, we got Scooby-Doo uh... featured for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Letterboxd review that I love, and uh, I think that is actually the best description of this movie, in that it is Citizen Kane filtered through Animaniacs. Um, and I am willing to I die can't... on that hill anyway. I can't, I can't think of a, of a, like, I can't think of a review that would be more geared towards older people than comparing a movie to citizen kane and animaniacs like i know they just did a re like a remake or reboot of animaniacs but like that is such an old crusty cartoon property i oh yeah anyway so yeah i think i kind of want to do things out of order today and i want to take the uh the first thought the first first thoughts here um and then i'll probably take the last first thoughts as well um the last last thoughts the last last thoughts no 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 the last first thoughts i don't jesus christ um what are you right. saying so, <laughs> i will say kyle guys, i will I'm, say kyle i'm hanging after, on my threat kyle after watching this movie i did feel like my brain was broken <laughs> good good so this was uh this is one of two movies on my list that I had only seen once before. Um, this and Paddington 2. And so when we finished up Inside Lewin Davis last week, uh, I immediately went and watched this. Um, and I'd only seen it like three years ago. And I added it on my list as a, oh, I remember really liking this. I'll bet no one's ever seen it before. But I really didn't remember that much about it, like, at all. And sat down to watch it. Um, and I, I am so angry. This is my 14th seed. I am, I am so dis, this is so much higher than 14. (laughs) Yeah, no, legitimately, legitimately, because, so I, not only, you know, am I going to get my shit kicked in today, but it's going to make me resent the Green Mile even more because (laughs) I have really started to resent that movie and I would switch this for the sixth position in a heartbeat oh, why do you resent green mile you're so that's so that kyle that's so fucked up of you to say to me because my movie lost by like a hair to the green mile i feel like if it was this movie i would have convinced Brendan, everyone I, else. so listen listen i know i know i'm gonna watch it again and i'm gonna fall in love with it but the fact that I I am now probably going to go 1 in 5 today and my only win is the safest fucking movie I have. <laughs> I have Citizen Kane killing me inside. No, he's talking about Green Citizen Mile. Kane. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I wouldn't say Citizen Kane is safer than Green Mile. No, I wouldn't say it. It's 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 a bit of a a desired taste in modern. Yeah. Um but no, um yeah, I I love this movie. I fell in love with this movie so much last Saturday. I have listened to the score nonstop since I watched it. I watched it again last night so I could have more thoughts for you. You're today. insane. Um, You're out of your I, goddamn mind. <laughs> I totally, I totally get it. I totally get it. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, so let's get it going. I'm gonna go first because I can't. I can't. I can't, can't abide understand this. that. Yeah, that's the most <laughs> insane thing I've ever heard to watch this movie like that many times in a 
couple of days. Oh, weird, I, yeah. oh my god! Like that is insane. So I was surprised to learn that this was a, a Coen Brothers movie. I was like, oh, interesting. Which, so like, if I can interject real quick, uh, what a showing of their range. Since right, we, are, these are our <laughs> only two Coen Brothers movies: is Inside Lewin Davis and Hudsucker. Uh, and we watched them right next to each other. And Jesus Christ, are there two more different movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, okay, so the cast for sure um, is the only thing that I will praise about this movie, and not even completely. But I do think that the cast is something special because I not love not even the score. The score's fine. The score is to me oh, the man. same kind of right. score that is in like the Cat in the Hat movie. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not impressed by it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, I love Bruce Campbell. Um, I, 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 I think that everyone kind of does a really good job except for the, uh, um, female lead. I think her character's name is Amy, if I remember correctly. Amy Archer, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think. Fine. Played by, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. I think she did. Jennifer Jason Lee movie. Yes, I think that she did fine. I just think that that accent sounded the least, uh, uh believable or comfortable, uh, coming from her. I think that, uh, a lot of I think that like you know you have shows now like Mad Men that sort of deal in that accent and make sure that everyone have that that sort of like what is it mid-Atlantic uh accent uh and, and the characters sound a lot more comfortable in it and when you have a character when you have an actor like Bruce Campbell basically sharing uh every scene he has with her for the most part I mean not every scene but you know sharing so many scenes with her it's like Bruce Campbell just effortlessly has that voice. That's just Bruce Campbell's voice. And then she has this very put-on version of that. Which I get that it's a parody, but I feel like she's one of the few people who has it so aggressively um, in the movie. So that kind of like... I don't know, that that was a little grating um, after a while. Um, but other than that, I thought the movie was very very funny at times and then at other times like unbearable like just unbearable i think that it looks ugly it's such an ugly movie it looks like a disney channel original movie i can't oh, stand we're, we're the look of today. the movie we're gonna be it's so like and I, and once again i know that so much of it has to be intentional because there's a lot of stuff like with the uh hudsucker corporation and things like that where it's like well obviously the drabness is intentional obviously these things are intentional obviously you're trying to capture something with this face but i just think that it looks like shit <laughs> and um similar to what you said about inside lewin davis where it's just like i was gonna say yeah no that yeah it's just like filtering no, through my head yeah it's like I, I get that it's it means something but that in com in conjunction with everything else is like i really hated looking at this movie okay um all right fair other than that like the like I, I found the plot to be so, like, so boring, and, like, the overall, like, I don't know, like, the way the characters interacted, the, the conversations and stuff felt so overly written that even though it's a parody, it felt like an SNL sketch that went on for, like, a year. 
And by the, I was like, oh my god, I if this was shorter, I think I'd like it. But then it's like it's already kind of short. It's not particularly long. So I don't know. I, I it just everything about it just brushed up against me in the worst way possible. <laughs> All right, round two. Who's fucking going I, I for the king? Say, Let's go, Alex. You go before me because I want to see what what the corners are. Okay. So I think I, I think I, uh... I'm somewhere between Brendan and Kyle right now. So. Well, I guess we can all... This is all of our first times, obviously, besides Kyle, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I knew nothing about this movie at all. Never even heard of it. Uh, Good way to go in. And then just, re- like, looking it up beforehand, I was like, oh, Coen Brothers. That's interesting. So I had already this, like, preconceived image of what this movie was going to be. Um, And then I went in, and the first, like, five minutes were whatever. But then when we... No, actually, not the first five minutes. The the first five minutes took me out immediately. The boardroom scene, um, right after Hudsucker. I I was watching that throws him out, and I was like, Alex is gonna be rolling right now. And then just when they start saying stuff like, uh, I have it written down. When the president owner of eighty seven percent of the company's stock drops forty four floors. 45 counting the yep, mezzanine yep no <laughs> went, literally that i was like alex is gonna be so pissed he's gonna bring uh, up snatch <laughs> i'm so excited no i that came up and then they that just that whole bit of like kind mezzanine and all that stuff i i was like oh my fucking god if there's no better <laughs> kyle movie that exists redacted this movie just sorry yeah kyle movie this movie just yelled this was made for you so then, okay, and immediately I was put off because I think it was just the clash between what I thought it was going to be and what it was. And like 15 minutes in, it, it didn't stop. So what I had to do was I literally paused the movie and I was like, okay, I have to just erase what this, what I thought this movie was going to be <laughs> and enjoy it for what it is. And you know what? I did enjoy it. Okay. After I collected myself and I took it for what it was, I didn't love it by any means. Okay. And like, there's a lot of, it, like Brendan said, it was funny at times, and sometimes it was like just overwhelming and and too much was going on, and it was annoying at times. But for the most part, I think I liked it. I I echo the same thing you said about Amy Archer. She seemed very forced and almost it just didn't seem she she seemed out of place compared to all the other characters. But it, it felt it, like she was constantly trying to catch her breath. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I did like the plot. The plot was fun and entertaining i loved tim robbins he was so charming and i i he he kept me throughout this whole movie um but it was just a lot and there were times where characters were talking too much and i just needed to kind of pause it again let my ears take a break and i could play it again um and you know with occasional pauses this movie was was a good time Ah. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't. I didn't pause at all. I, I thought the movie was pretty good. Um, I think the the presentation was the strongest point. Um, and then a lot of like the kind of really absurdist comedy is another thing that I liked. Now, the absurdist comedy I, I'm referencing is not the dialogue. I found the dialogue probably eighty percent grating, twenty percent satisfying. Yeah. Like it. It was very annoying quite at least to my ear it just it would not stop um at any point really but like a lot of the visual presentation was genuinely i thought was really strong and that that's yeah. like that's the point where i could see this being a coen brothers movie 
was with the visual presentation. And I, I thought a lot of the gags they did, just the general storytelling and how they presented everything was, was good. Um, but it's just like the, the amount that I found grading really, really put a damper on the things I thought were funny. Um, and that's my biggest takeaway. Like, I, I thought it was good. I thought the presentation was pretty good. It's just throughout, they just had to throw in these these jokes that I just I, I couldn't get past. I just found it really annoying pretty much throughout. But uh, <laughs> the funniest parts to me were when he's holding him by the pants and then he flashes back say, to, to a scene. That is, that is such a good joke. That is it's such like, a good it's joke. It's barely even a joke. It's just like they're just flashing back to like this character that never even actually shows up. And he's just like... He's a good customer. I'll give him two seams. <laughs> that, uh, that Mr. Musburger is such a good guy. I'm going to give him the double stitch anyway. It's so that dumb, one, but I, I, I laughed out loud. That part made me laugh, and then I, w- then I immediately felt sick after laughing at it because I went, that's a family guy gag. Like, that's not even... Yeah. The, like, the, the, it is. It's honestly, so Yeah, th- this, this felt like a Coen Brothers family guy crossover. It really did. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of so. gags like that. <laughs> like, and uh, another thing that stuck out was when they're selling the hula hoops, and uh, he yeah. keeps lowering the price, and then it, it suddenly is doing these really quick edits, like taking the stickers away and increasing the price. Like stuff like that, I, I think works and is far less grating than than the dialogue. The the, the dialogue, yeah. The, the, I didn't even necessarily mind the performances, um, especially of of the main female lead, like you did, Brendan. Like I didn't mind. It was just like what she was saying. It it was just yeah. You know, you know what? Board. I don't know. It was probably you're probably right that it was uh like in the middle for me. Uh, well, not in the middle for me, but like. It's probably somewhere in the middle. It's probably that it was a mixture of her performance, maybe being uncomfortable in this harsh dialogue environment mixed with the dialogue being like so grating so much of the time. Yeah, it I think it sacrificed a lot for the for the sake of the dialogue and which is my least favorite part and I think that's why I didn't really connect with it that much but the parts I did like um they, they really did stand out. I I did like quite a bit about this but it was just the dialogue was just so consistently a miss for me that um it's hard to kind of reckon with that. Yeah, like the yeah, part yeah. where she's on the phone as, like and she's talking about all of her accomplishments and they're just yeah. it's just like oh my god <laughs> end this bit i don't like this or bit. This bit or the amount of times so he pulls bad. up his circle drawing and goes you know for kids i was I, no. the second or third time okay i uh, that one i actually liked i was gonna say i, I, I like that too the, the visual couldn't. of him doing that was really funny to me. <laughs> no, it, it was funny the first time. And the second time, I was like, oh, okay, callback. And then the third time. And the fourth time. And then uh, see, Alex, Jennifer Jason Lee goes, you just don't like rep- See, you're not, you're not able, because yeah, repetition will get you to the low point. But if you can stick it through, baby, it gets even higher than it was before. Yeah, but it <laughs> never go, got high. Like, even past, when Amy Archer starts That's what I'm saying. You're not able the... to stick with it until it gets high. That's your issue. I guess That's so. your issue, buddy. So. You see, Alex, we get past the rule of threes of comedy, and we go to the rule of sevens and eights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where this movie shines. 
if you're if you're Kyle last name redacted baby there is no limit to repetition you if you show me a movie and it's a guy repeating a joke for two hours long I am gonna laugh every time what do you what do you have to say uh, Kyle I mean what do you think of our oh, thank you do you think thank these you. are like our natural responses or do you think we're totally off base here I am so impressed I've gotten this positive of a response. I was figuring I was going to be up against three Brendans today. Um, so it wasn't to have a bad two, movie at all. Yeah, it was a fun times. I'll take that. I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> um, no, so uh, I don't know if this has been uh, made clear on the Kino Clash podcast yet, but uh, I have a very uh, niche taste and dialogue <laughs> choices that I think is very refined and subtle. Um, and I really appreciate very uh, natural nuanced. and authentic nuanced. dialogue. Nuanced. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I will even say, after my first time watching it on Saturday, I even got tired of the dialogue. I didn't dislike it. I still loved every minute, but I was literally fatigued by the end. I was like, my God, any, any scene in the newsrooms or anything like that, I, I, I could, it was like, literally like, all right, name redacted. Don't worry about that part. Um, you, <laughs> buckle up. You got to start paying attention. You got to get all you this. Know, Kyle, I think that's where um, our shock that you watched this multiple times in the same week comes from. Yeah. I don't think I could rewatch this movie if it wasn't being played at 0.5 to 0.75 time speed. I'll raise you, Alex. I don't think I could rewatch this one. <laughs> I I just I don't have like I clearly have, I have no interest in rewatching. Like I thought that there were parts that were funny, and I thought that there were parts that were enjoyable. But it's like I just don't know why I would put myself through that again. Like I know I finally know what like Ryan felt after he watched um, the Rocketeer. Like Rocketeer. it's just. <laughs> it it just was so aggravating to watch. <laughs> I nice. don't know why I would do Love that. Love it. <laughs> but like, I mean, honestly, like there was just no matter what I, anytime I enjoyed a part of the movie, I feel like it would surgically add a like a, this insane dialogue in right yeah. after to spite me. Um, and I hated that. Because I wanted to enjoy the movie, I really did. I, I I try to go into all of these enjoying them, and this was like, there were like this has been a bit of a rough week for me, like at work. You know, this was this was something I was doing to like you know relax, and just the way it just did not, it just did not. I felt like I was wasting not, my time. It's not what you do. Um, no, I but so on my second watch, uh. And I think it's because I was still in this mindset, in this movie. Uh, the dialogue didn't affect me. I was like, all right, yeah, I can follow this. Uh, because, like, again, I mean, I basically, for the most part, this was my first time watching it. Um, like, I didn't remember anything besides the major plot points. I did not remember loving the score this much. I did not remember the dialogue being so damn abrasive. Um... Like, I, uh, and even most of the plot points, I was like, there were some, I was like, oh, I totally forgot about that. So, I don't know. Mm. I think the second time, because even my recording, so I, I take recordings after each movie, and then I re-listen to them before the episodes instead of taking notes while I'm watching. Um, 
And my first recording, I couldn't even have any thoughts because it was just so much that had happened. Um, and my second recording was a lot more coherent. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, we'll get into a lot of it, I'm sure. Uh, one thing I've really enjoyed about uh, Keynote Clash here is it's really helped me understand just what a brand I have. Because, <laughs> like, literally what Alex was saying, when when they were doing the, the, the boardroom scene after the HUD jumps out the window, and they're going, uh, we need a puppet, a proxy, a pawn. <laughs> It's like, ah, yeah, you got alliteration. I'm in. It's that easy. <laughs> you need uh, callbacks, repetition, and alliteration. But uh, no, I, I don't truly forget puns. <laughs> don't forget puns. Uh, no, I set out. I set out the elements of a movie I will love in the Copperfield podcast. Uh, and I don't. I. Do, does this have over-the-top, maximized, annoying dialogue? Check. Uh, Brendan, I'm still going to fight you on the fucking score. Uh, because I think this score You'll be is fighting the me only too. one I'd put comparable. Yeah, I, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I, I just don't remember it. It, it was not... There's I didn't only, notice it. That is insane to me. There's only one thing I remember. It, you just want to get into it? Because the only one I remember is the Let's one do it. that they play at the, the credit sequence at the beginning. And they play it three different times. And it's like, yeah, that's it the. It doesn't have a lot of tracks. It, it's well, yeah, got, it's like that's the uh, best song. You can listen song, to the whole score like, in an hour. If that's your best song, use it sparingly. Like they used it several different times for dramatic effect, and it's like by that point, it's like, all right, we're we're on repeat here, and nothing else, nothing else at all stood out to me. No yeah, other. I I no other. I song. don't think anything stood out particularly, but it had that like. <laughs> I I did think I was like oh, I feel like I'm watching like Cat in the Hat. Like it had that like really like. I don't know, like weird, whimsy sound to it. Like I was gonna say, so that's your but, second element of a Kyle movie is but, you need a whimsical score. So, but the score isn't necessarily whimsical in the same way that like uh, Copperfield was, because Copperfield was whimsical in a way that like swept me up, like out of my chair and took me into a better movie. Um, this was like. Like listening to someone try and like pretend to be John Williams, who after he suffered no. a stroke or something. Absolutely like not. Absolutely not. So the main song of the movie is the operatic um, that plays during both falling sequences. I, I like um, that quite a bit. That's the one I'm referring to that they kept repeating. Yeah. And so that uh, is, like, I didn't get the whole thing, but I think it's directly uh, taken from Spartacus um, and then kind of revamped. Uh, it it felt like that. instruments on it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so grandiose. Um, there's that, and then there's the... Uh, see, that, I don't know, guys. I think maybe the dialogue might have just soured it because like i know no one will but i would encourage you to just listen to the score because i am telling you like the there's norville's suite which is when uh all the all the the job postings are switching on the placards and it's just this very just little upbeat like 
Oh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's just like a... I mean, I remember that part. They play it during the hula hoop sequence as well. Um, I mean, it didn't stand out to and, me, is the thing. It's like God, Sims music. I don't music. know. It, <laughs> no. No. Sims music you, is good. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna... Sim, I like the Sims soundtrack. I know, but, but it's... Like, it, 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 all right, I might be seeing where you're coming from then. I, I mean, it's a, bit, it's a, it I is like, very. Like, if I'm giving it the full benefit of the doubt, because I only watched the movie and listened to the score on the side, and I at the through most of the movie was having such a bad time that I probably wasn't yeah. giving the score uh, a fair shake. But if I am to uh, listen to you, Kyle, and and assume that it's great, I genuinely think the Sims soundtrack for like the first Sims game is fantastic. It has a lot of really just solid instrumental tracks in it, and i'm not even joking i really like it i've listened to it i have it saved in playlists i i enjoy it however when you're playing sims you don't think about it because <laughs> it's just okay. the, the the texture of the world and i think that might be the problem of this is that you're so caught up mm. in the movie that the score is the last thing you're thinking about by the end of it all right no and i'm willing to buy that because i i'm telling y'all it is I mean, again, the operatic is wonderful, but there is a lot of, like, wonderful chime work they put in. Um, And it really does, it kind of matches the movie as a whole, because each section, like, each section of the score um, has so much going on. Um, Like, and it builds on it. So, like, the Norville Suite just starts out with a little wood block, and then... um, throw in some chimes and some horns and then by the end of it it's like every other moment in the scene and it's just 57 different horns blasting all at once um yeah no i i will die for this score i think it is the only one i'm gonna put comparable to copperfield Um, that's insane i I, once again said something crazy (laughs) i of my scores of my scores well no 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 even of your scores like I I just think that Copperfield had such a strong composition to it that like I don't know like I don't think that you I don't think there's a movie you could put the Copperfield score in that it doesn't stand out immediately. But I don't think that there is a movie you could put this score in that wouldn't overtake it. I I I really I really would encourage you to listen to it, Brendan, and then come back. Um, okay, and see what you think. Uh, okay, because if uh, if you we, listen to it and you're still the same thoughts, I'll be like, all right. I well, I was just gonna say for me personally, and I, I think I even said it like the, the score doesn't affect my enjoyment of a movie that much unless it's really adding to what I'm seeing. And so, like, no matter how great the score is, I don't I don't feel like this movie warrants it necessarily. Like, I, I think the strongest part is by far just the visual presentation of a joke. And a joke doesn't okay. need an orchestral score to accompany it. It's it's either a good joke or it's not. So like so, for me, it didn't so this add was anything. gonna be uh, this was gonna be my transition. Was uh, Brendan again? I know you were not a fan of most of the visuals, um, but what did you guys think of the hula hoop sequence? Well, actually, first question: Did what did you guys think of the reveal that it's a hula hoop? That's what the circle is. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. It was fun, yeah. Right in line with the movie. So that's why I asked you guys what the uh, 
if anybody's been watching the trailers, because the trailer for this movie is horrible. It reveals every single thing about... It reveals that it's a hula hoop and everything. Oh. I'm like, that 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 would take away so much fun for me on my first watch. Because, like, the whole time he does the, you know, for kids, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Um, Honestly, I yeah, didn't I think... I thought it was going to be way. Bubble Boy for a second. I didn't think it was going to reveal anything. Like, I thought that was just going to be a running joke is that you never find out. Kind of kind of like Pulp Fiction with the briefcase, where you never actually find out what Insane. it is. Which, I, I, I can't say if I would like that more or less, but I don't know. Like The hula hoop reveal was fine. I, it, it moved the I plot like, forward. I, I like that they told you what it was, regardless of what it was. Because in order for this movie to really be a good parody of, which I think it is trying to be in some cases, a good parody of Citizen Kane, at least a little bit. Uh, you, there has to be some sort of like uh, myth, mytho. Oh my god, I can't even pronounce it. Mythologization um, mixed with like alt history, since that's kind of what Citizen Kane was going for for a portion of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this wants to parody that in a way by creating its own sort of alt universe where this hud sucker company invents hula hoops yeah i got Um, that vibe too i've got i've i've got some more things on this but uh to get back to where i was um what did you guys think of the hula hoop sequence uh we'll just say the the entire from when it goes into production to uh when people start buying the hula hoop it it was fine i don't know (laughs) i mean i I like my favorite part was probably them brainstorming the name of it, but everything else with like slapping the discounts and then raising the price and the kids. Oh, I, I like the kid just like standing in the middle of the street hula hooping, and all the yeah. kids running up to him, being like their minds were blown. That part I liked, but everything else, I don't know. The scene was fine. I I, I think so, that it's I think that it's an interesting scene, and I think that it 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 is kind of evidence of what a lot of the movie is which is a very very easy and i don't know like quick explanation and then lampooning of like capitalist systems because you get to see like oh yeah they're discounting it so people will buy it and then it's not discounted anymore because people want it and then you know and that's kind of compared to the uh, scene at the very end that we were talking about as like a family guy joke but it's also kind of this moment where it's like oh yeah he told the guy no you want to you know uh boost your margins never do the double stitch so that they you know come back and buy more pants and it's because of the double stitch that he you know he lives or that you know, you know so like i feel like that's a lot of this movie and i think that it's fine <laughs> but i think that that's what um, it, it's very it's a very obvious um joke and critique so the scene you're talking about, Alex, when it's just the hula hoop rolling down the street, um, and then the kid finds it and things like that, uh, that scene is one of two directed by Sam Raimi in this movie. I see um, that he's credited on the, on the cast, and it just says yeah, Hudsucker underneath them. But he I was, was a, like, what the a writer. So he's one of the writers, right? He's one of the, the idea developers, yeah, for the name of the hula hoop. Um mm. I think he's the last guy, the guy who comes up with the idea. Uh, but, uh... So What's the other scene? That scene... Um... 
I think it's when the hut, the boardroom scene, when the hut jumps out the window. Um, but so the scene when the hula hoop is rolling down the street, this is the part that I'm like, I, cause there's no, there's no dialogue during the entire, that sequence. Um, so I'm really surprised none of you picked up on the score there. Cause that is when it is booming. And it's like, it's, it's such an innocuous thing. Cause it's just a kid hula hooping, but it is just absolutely captivating to me. Uh, I don't know just... what happened to me during the viewing. I literally didn't notice the music. I couldn't yeah. tell you. Oh my god! Like, I think I, I remember think... it being whimsical. I I think it's like Brendan said. Like I just felt like background noise. Like it just felt like part um, of the the texture of the of the environment. Uh, like... I feel like yeah. I feel like I was numb. <laughs> but <laughs> See, I honestly, will... yeah, I, I genuinely think that's the case. Probably, but like I will say, that hula hoop it can't scene. save it though. Like if that's the case, the score doesn't save the movie then. If you don't well, even and, notice it, like no matter how good it I'm is, I'm not even arguing the score saves the movie. I'm just saying the score is fantastic. Yeah, I'm gonna listen and to I, it after and, this, and and I'll take you at your word there. But Kyle, I will say, I I need you to mentally bookmark this this part of this conversation for when we uh, talk about two thousand one. Okay, deal. I want you, I, I, mentally bookmark it because I agree with you that it is a striking moment, but it's like I I did not. At that point, I was like, I, I was exhaling. You know, I had, I was partitioning my brain and preparing for the next bout. I was not necessarily ready to engage with the movie on such artistic terms after what I had just been subject to. The This is interesting, because that scene is on YouTube, and uh, the hula hoop sequence in general is, uh, I was doing reading... It's one of the most studied uh, sequences in uh, film schools around the country on how to do a montage. And I think it is one of the best montages I've ever seen. Um, it just... Like, it's not it's not aggressive, I don't think. Again, it's one of the limited dialogue sequences of the whole movie. Um, and there is just some... Like, the, the when you're in the accounting firm... And, like, you see how bland the accounting firm is, and then you see the creative room and how they're doing things. Um, I love it. I could watch that scene any day of the week and just be wonderful way to start my day. Like, I think it's beautiful. I but think Kyle, it you doesn't have, about girls it don't want to have me. fun in it. How could it be the best montage? <laughs> Kyle, you talking about it definitely makes me, like, look back on it fondly. I, I think it definitely was one of the better parts of the movie. Like, the parts I enjoyed the most. Like in the moment, I was like, "Oh, this is like a, I'm liking this." Maybe it's because no one was talking, but I did like, like the 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 advertising, the marketing team, brainstorming, bouncing ideas off each other, and just like how energetic and I can see how why it's like a high quality montage because like it was all over the place, but it felt cohesive and um, mm -hmm. I, I can see it. Yeah. I mean that, that I, uh, that's a point that I would consider visually very strong, and the, the the visually strong points are the parts that I like about this movie. So, I mean that's that's definitely among them, but it's just I don't know. I I, I just don't feel like it excuses a lot of the things I find grating. Now that 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 said, like the things I find grating are obviously very subjective, but 
at least in my experience, that that part doesn't stand out because the things before and after don't stand out. They, they, it doesn't feel like it leads into anything significant, at least to me. And that's a big no, issue I have I can, in general, I guess. Again, I'm I'm certainly finding a trend among how you all see my movies of uh, Alex's take during Copperfield. Of uh, there are some very good parts, but as a whole, it's never worth it. Um, it's like the new Matrix. The Matrix. Had oh, I'm awesome. I'll fight you on that. Parts. I love that movie. I love that. I, movie. At first, I liked it. I was like, "This was this was a, a fun return to form." But then, the more I thought about it, I was like, "Every scene was awesome, but it was not a good movie." Now, see, I I loved that movie. I loved every single scene of it. I thought that movie was unbelievably insane, and like. I don't know. I, I I feel like I went into that movie wanting something different than you, probably. And then I got what I wanted, and then maybe you were left wanting. Well, anyway, to, to bring it back on topic, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think this movie had a lot of cool individual scenes, but as a movie, as a whole. Oh, you uh, know what? Actually, Alex, I agree with you completely, because I think that's ultimately what we ended up agreeing on with copperfield is that kyle went into copperfield yeah that's wanting something else yeah so i mean yeah so then it's exactly the same thing yeah yeah no it's it's a trend i'm definitely seeing um and i will say just as a general aside i think this is the last of my firmly on brand movies um i think everything from here is gonna this is this is the most maximized of the elements of one of my movies, I, I think. Um, so I haven't seen Paddington 2, but I've seen Paddington 1. That's on brand. Yeah, I, okay. I, I recently yes. watched Paddington 1, and it is... Undeniably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't remember. That, 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 one, that one is definitely... Which, to be fair, I, I did like Paddington 1 better than this, so... <laughs> yeah, I did too. I would watch Paddington. It's again. not. It's. I mean, it's not nearly as hyper. No, as this it's is. not. Um, but no. it has like I don't know. It has that same energy. If that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I'll take it. Keep Fever the brand alive, man. Um, <laughs> um, I I do apologize. Like guys. like you drop the remote one, by the way, because I have a lot I want to hit. Um, Kyle's movies sorry, are like if you on, drop man. the remote and accidentally hit fast forward. And you're just like, and you're scrambling. You can't pay all the way attention. You're scrambling to try and like get it back down to normal speed. And then you realize the remote like fell under the couch. And you're like, well, I'm not getting up all the way to do that. So this is the movie now. Um, it's one way to describe it. I I wouldn't. I don't. I'm assuming we're gonna have have a similar stance. But I think my other two favorite parts of this movie are both the the falling sequences. So I was wondering what everybody's thought yeah. that was. If, if I can speak to that, the, the second falling sequence is what saved me from immediately dismissing this movie. Because when that happened, I was like, it, it's jarring, quite frankly. Uh, which, spoiler alerts, uh, it's, I don't know where to skip to, but <laughs> in short, We're... The, the fourth wall is shattered. And he says, you know, I'm really not supposed to do this. <laughs> I, I just thought so that that's was, even more. I was wondering what you guys thought about the Deus Ex. That, that was the point um, where okay. it was it just got so absurd. And it's like those absurd visual moments are the points I really loved. And so it got to that point, and that sequence was some of my favorite dialogue, too, when I thought the dialogue didn't 
absolutely backseat the rest of the movie. Like it's cause in that in that the moment, dialogue every, was genuine there. Yeah, and in that the dialogue moment, was every, two real people talking. Exactly. In that moment it made sense. That's that's like the point of the and watching that moment I was like all right, this is absolutely bananas. And then it kind of made me reflect that it's like, you know what? This whole movie in general has kind of been bananas. It, it's kind of excusable. And so that kind of made me reflect and think about the moments that I did okay. like. And so that, that moment literally saved the film for me. I, I was, I was like seriously like two star territory at that point. And it, wow. it bumped it up a whole three. Cause it, it just made me reflect about the moments I did like. And there are a lot of good moments that, that being one of them. And that's one of the more introspective and uh, emotionally impactful moments of the film, I think. Yeah, yeah I'm I really would, glad. I would say that's the most interesting the movie ever got. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm really glad that it leaned into just being just super weird. And it was so, um, I mean, the whole movie was wacky and zany, but that move, that specific scene, nothing in that movie kind of alluded to, oh, we're going to play with physics and like this is not a typical <laughs> world. It was just kind of like weird characters doing weird things, but... I'm so glad that it just went balls to the wall and was like, yeah, yeah we can stop time when we stop the clock. <laughs> it it um, devolved into such absurdity, and then the the clock tower main like I don't even want I don't know what you even call that maintainer. He he starts fighting yeah, somebody, fist fighting somebody, yeah. like knocks his dentures out, and the dentures stop the clock. It's like, and I can't explain why it worked because any other movie, I don't it's know. Like, oh, that, that scene is so out of place and it's so right? weird, but it really did work. It, yeah, it, it just felt, so it was I, so on brand. I was for the afraid movie. you guys were gonna hate it. No, so I'm really. It, it was such a like slam on the brakes, and it's such a complete left turn that I was like, it it literally just made me question the rest of the movie. Oh. And, I, kind of see it in a new light like it was just so out of left field i don't think it was a slam on the brakes i think it was uh foot to the pedal all the way maybe that's (laughs) better yeah maybe that's better (laughs) but that's like Um, the moment when i felt like the film fully showed what it was everything else was just kind of like it was grating because it was such a in my opinion, it's such a basic ass plot. I mean, it was just like you know what something yeah. I've seen before. But when it goes to that, it was so absurd and off the wall. I was like, all right, I, I, maybe I need to frame everything else I've seen in a different light. I think if honestly that scene, uh, luckily we all really liked it. I think honestly, it makes me think that I wish the rest of the movie leaned into it as hard as that scene did. I think I would have liked the movie more if it just really le- leaned into like this is whack all around like yes these are characters that talk at a million miles an hour and the dialogue makes you want to cut your ears off but also this world is freaking weird and look we invented hula hoops and it did to an extent but i agree like it that 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 was the one moment when it it really went for it like everything else was just kind of a watered down version of that to be honest yeah (laughs) and like that's what it felt like honestly like at that point i wish that they would have committed one way or the other like maybe make like alex said make the whole movie like incredibly strange or like if they'd committed to to portraying a more like realistic situation that was a little bit more like immediately uh viable and enjoyable and like lulled you into feeling like this was one type of movie because the movie that it convinces you it is it's just not a very good one and then it's like oh wait this movie actually is kind of interesting um but like i would have preferred if it was like oh yeah no this is actually kind of like played a little bit straight like that's interesting and then have it get 
unbelievably uh, uh, inscrutable. <laughs> you know, just like, whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that would have been more interesting to me. And I that probably would have turned it around for me. But, like, the movie's so middle-of-the-road crazy that having it get, you know, beyond the pale crazy was very fun for the moment it was, but I was unable to, like... That was that did not win me over. Yeah, but I feel and, like if if the movie was very different prior to that, it would have. That, that, that's was, how, I was going to say that's how it won me over. Like, I mean, that's why I consider it pretty good because I, I do feel like most of the movie is a watered down version of that. It's just like it leans into that craziness, but not enough to make me like enjoy it. I guess the, not enough to make me want to bear that grating dialogue. Which I think the dialogue adds a lot to some people. Like I like Kyle, you are one of them. I think a lot of people appreciate that, but it's just it feels so unnatural. Like it feels so plastic to me that it I, I can't watch a serious or even somewhat serious series of events with that as the the written narrative. Like it, I don't know, but yeah, that that ending scene ties it all together. The only other scene I think to me that leans into the wackiness like like the the last falling scene is it would probably be like when what's his name norval gets a job at hot sucker towers and he's in the mail room getting the tons of mail i think that and the falling scene are the two of like i wish this movie had just kind of gone along this path more are you talking because... like the blue letter scene no yeah, i was I... talking about like when he's oh. getting or like during orientation where he's giving him a, a oh, and rolls and don't and... forget it and they're stacking don't forget to do this yeah. don't forget to do that um, or they dock you. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's the blue letter scene, <laughs> like that, right? That was funny. That, no, that leads after. into the blue letter okay. scene. I was going to say I like that too. And you know what? The the kind of that was going to be another question. Did you like the blue letter the, uh, scene? The kind I of love the blue letter scene. The the mechanical industrial feel of that reminded me a lot of the Grinch that we watched for the Christmas special. Yeah, no, same. <laughs> like very much, and so. especially in the very, camera work. So Doctor Seuss vibes. So absolutely Doctor Seuss vibes. <laughs> That's the thing. So this this would have come out before that. I wonder if Ron Howard saw this and really like because it almost feels like some of those sequences in the Grinch could be paying homage to this. I don't know. Are you talking like when the when the steam whistle goes off? Precisely, they, they yeah. They can into it at the diagonal. Because yeah. no, if you recall, the in The Grinch, plot. they're showing like the blaring light, the, the, the screaming horn, everything like that, when uh, he's detecting who's on his mountain. <laughs> this felt a lot <laughs> like that when they were getting the blue letter. And uh, that, yeah, that was one of my notes. I, I liked that. That was so zany. And I liked the, the visual aspect of that when everything is just so bananas in, in the foreground and background. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have this image of this single new person in the middle of this hallway where everybody's hiding. <laughs> and you just have you know this what? man with a letter walking towards them. It's funny. I, I think it's it's something... funny from a visual standpoint alone. <laughs> Something happened between finishing watching this movie and coming here where I forgot a lot of the good parts. You bringing that up with the, the male scene and the blue letter reminded me that I really liked the blue letter scene. I liked how like the secretary faints so when she finds out she has a blue letter. The elevator <laughs> operator was yeah. a fun addition. I loved his jokes. His jokes genuinely were really funny. Um, but I uh, think... Th- there's there's one... I gotta interrupt you out. There's yeah. one line when he's the elevator operator, and they all come in, and he's he's making rhymes. Again, rhymes. You'll get me in the dialogue. It's that easy. Um, 
And he goes in, he goes, Mr. Levin, 37. He goes, 36. And he screams at him, walk down! Yeah. I, you see, I, I thought that was annoying. I didn't like that part. See, oh, I see, thought that was funny. Okay, that part, that part was, like, I thought that part was funny, but it was also like, yeah, this is like, it's like family guy shit. Yeah. Like, it's, it's funny, but, like, it's, it's not, it's not particularly, like, I, I hard. Like it's not, it's not like mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's kind of low hanging. It's not that. <laughs> yeah, that that is. So this movie, it wanted to I be don't know over if I the go top, on low hanging, but this movie worked when it was over the top and unrealistic in both its scenes and its characters. And those two scenes are the only times where like it was over the top in in the scene itself. Versus the rest of the movie is over top, over the top in the dialogue, and I think if it had eased up on that a bit and leaned into more of like, I don't know, just the world is wacky and characters do weird things with the world and interact with the world in weird ways. And they're all like super hyper and, and, and almost Grinch vibes. Like you said, like if, if the world just I, makes you feel weird and it's like a parallel universe. So this is the only thing I've been kind of hearing is like, I, I genuinely am thinking the dialogue killed this movie for all of you. Cause I think it is. Yeah. It's not as wacky as those scenes. No, but I like to to a degree of like you can't even see past it cuz like I think it's no. it maintains a very hyper level of wacky. It gets it peaks at points, but like I think overall it's very high for the most part. Well, no, it's a very wacky movie, but most of the movie is wacky in what they're saying and yeah. like what the characters no, are doing that's as I'm they're speaking. I think there are very weird things that happen, but you couldn't you couldn't no, find them. I, I'm with um, Brent. I like I no, I don't. I don't think there's anything exceptionally weird. I think there's weird like attributes and weird moments, but like yeah, but like yeah. none of it seems impossible. But like the yeah. the the, the scenes that we're talking about that we really gravitated towards are the parts that felt so impossible that we're like yeah what what the hell is happening in this scene yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, i don't i don't feel like there's a, a big jump to unbelievability in most of the movie and yet this i'll say it again i think it's grating the the dialogue quite frankly it, it's just annoying to me and that is throughout and that is the big spectacle is how quick they're just snapping through the dialogue and responding to each other and everything. And that I, I, I couldn't, I really did not like that part like at all. I mean, it, it yeah. really did not stick no, with I get me, that. but the, the, and it was absurd throughout, but like the points that really lean into that are the, the really memorable yeah, the parts for me. So I, I, I think I disagree. I don't think the, I don't think the dialogue, I don't think that hides anything from me. Like I, I think it genuinely just detracts. Well, maybe I wasn't understanding all that, and I wasn't. I, 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 again, I totally get it. I, I am not defending the dialogue here. This is for a very small. Th- I, this is regarded widely as the Cohen's worst movie. Um, that a, the dialogue is for a very small niche of people, myself included. I'm not saying, I, I certainly don't think I'm above anybody else. I don't think I'm below either. I think it's just. This is something that clicks with me, and I think that's become very apparent. Is <laughs> I love this. I I could grip on to just wordplay and fast talking and no. all of it. Um, I I think that's yeah. where we differ because I think the 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 humor that I like from the Coen Brothers 
is from the subtle humor. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? That's a that's a lot more overt with its comedy, but it's much more subdued than something like this. I, I mean, much more yeah. subdued. And that, that's a movie that's yeah. trying to be funny. I, it's hard <laughs> so. to be. I, it's hard to be more than this. This is yeah. one of the most just hyper movies I've ever watched. That, perfect. Um, yeah, hyper is exactly how I would describe wait it. Wait for Speed Racer. <laughs> speed racer though okay like if we're talking about movies that are hyper speed racer at least is is that movie that we were talking about this movie you know the hyper scenes could, the hyper could world be, yeah yeah with, i think that's what it is for some all reason, gas no breaks everything just goes <laughs> but with realistic characters i think that is more my niche of like a weird wacky world that makes no sense and everything breaks the laws of physics but with realistic characters living in it and acting like real well, people and, like, that's the thing, too, the, like, the comparison between those two movies is that, like, Speed Racer, um, the characters are really, you know, outlandish and they say really crazy things. But, like, yeah, their emotional core is, like, a relatable person. Like, you understand motivations and you understand them and, like, you care about them. But it's, like, I don't know. Everyone, everyone in this movie was just like a puppet for this insane dialogue to be like poured and sprayed from them. That it was like I, <laughs> I don't really care about these people. Along like the emotions of the characters, I think that's another downside for me. Is I, I loved Tim Robbins as an actor in this movie. Like Norval was a fun character, super charming. I liked uh, Musburger. Like he was exactly what he needed to be. This like. Uh, stereotypical businessman smoking a cigar all the time looking at the stocks um, and you know Amy Archer wasn't all that great but what I didn't like is the relationship between Norval and Amy because A it, it felt forced like I, I didn't see any real romance there Yeah, her, her switch from oh he's actually yeah he's a bumbling idiot but he's a sweet guy I didn't buy that and also it just felt disingenuine at the end where she admits that she was like lying to him and hiding that she was actually reported writing all these things but still kept going with the lie that she's from muncie i was like you're not no you didn't, she didn't you keep didn't going arc with that lie yeah she did because at the end when she, she's trying to cheer him up she starts chanting the muncie chant and she never reveals that she's not from muncie i i, I think so she that's does. it because i didn't take it that way at all well, I took really? that as she's just trying to cheer Norville, because that's why they do the joke at the very end, where Norville goes, I can't believe you would do this to me, a Muncie girl. And then she's about to say, but I'm not I'm not from Muncie. Why haven't you figured that out? See, I took it as he's too dumb to figure it out, and so he's just the rest of his life going to think she's actually a Muncie girl, and she's hiding it. Yeah, from. no. I, that's interesting. I, yeah. I think it was purely a gag. But yeah. I, I could see how that would be misconstrued easily. I, I think, yeah, yeah I, I, I feel more inclined to agree with Alex here in that, um, I don't know, like, at this point in the movie, I was really done and um and you know it's just it's just telling me steve buscemi beatnik bartender didn't draw you back in it was it's just like (laughs) i i i agree that like at that point basically if you don't spell things out for this you know bumbling fool it is uh it is an (laughs) you are aware that you need to and that you should like i mean you probably have to tell that guy you know how to open a door 
before he leaves a building. Like I, he, he's not, <laughs> if you don't tell him something, he's not going to know it. So I, I, I agree with Alex that like, I don't know if she was intentionally keeping a secret, but she knew him well enough to know that she would have ne- needed to spell things out. But then at the same time, this is a dumb movie and you should not be looking at the characters in such a way that you have to like, are they playing 40 chess with Norville's emotions? Like, <laughs> no, I think, I think this is a dumb movie and it didn't matter. <laughs> yes, but it's a dumb movie that was really trying to make you feel heartfelt with the relationship. And well, it didn't well, now, hold on now. Well, yeah, we but I think call it a dumb no, no, movie. I, we can be I'm not civil. Saying, no, no, we no, can no, be I civil, mean, everyone. I mean, dumb as in like, it's like it, it taps into that part of your brain that's just yeah, like, I don't... show me flashing lights and loud noises. I... But like it does it well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. Kyle, I... I, I mean I mean dumb as in like it's not it's not trying to have complex relationships between characters, really. Like it's not it's not going for anything like that. It's going for jokes. It wants jokes. So like looking into characters and their motivations any deeper than honestly surface level is kind of a lost cause because ultimately yeah you could pick apart people's actions but you're dealing with characters that are so heightened and ridiculous that picking apart behaviors and actions becomes like pointless because yeah you would have to tell everything to normal so like why why don't people spell things out for him all the time why are they doing like why do they treat him like he's not the dumbest person alive (laughs) you know stuff like that um so, but in addition to that, though, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, I can't remember. But someone take over. <laughs> I was going to say, Ryan, I think you were going to say something. Um, I was just going to say, like, you say don't call the movie dumb, but honestly, I think if I had to pitch this movie to somebody, like, as a recommendation, I would just call it, yeah, it's just like a, a goofy business movie. Like, it, it's not at all... if. I don't know. I think if you take glean, well, I any- think there's a big difference because dumb, dumb to me. I think of and Brendan, you said low hanging fruit earlier, and that's where I I do vehemently disagree. Because uh, like, I think low hanging fruit <laughs> movies is like bathroom humor and yeah, physical okay. humor, and and yeah, no, this is very. I think this is the opposite uh, end I, of the spectrum. I don't know. I think if 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 bathroom humor is low hanging pun rhyme and alliteration humor is mid low hanging <laughs> like, well, okay, Kyle, I disagree. it is not Kyle, easy to pun and rhyme Kyle, i don't think to it me is. to me low hanging fruit is not toilet humor toilet humor is toilet humor i don't even put that on the tree that's that's not on the tree anymore that's fallen onto the dirt like it's not that's the rotten um, fruit the pigs eat <laughs> yeah exactly like like low hanging fruit to me is something that i would see like like a like a like something that i would see on snl that's not very funny like when uh, SNL had like um, the uh, recently when that whole Elmo Rocco shit was going on on Twitter and they just had someone dressed up as Elmo complaining about Rocco. That's low hanging fruit. <laughs> it's not particularly yeah. it's not it's not toilet humor. It's not they're not going. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But, like there's I but don't I'm think saying there's that much like low hanging here. But Kyle, what I'm saying is that the joke of him like making this rhyme about this guy and they're just going you know walk down is is funny but it's not like they they didn't have to work very hard to get there like it's not i disagree they, they, yeah that's well, not low-hanging fruit i don't think because there there is a lot of effort and creativity into making that work and also like 
you know, the writers of Paul Blart Mall Cop wouldn't have made a, a punny joke <laughs> or a rhyming joke because they couldn't pull okay. it off. Nor- okay, but but here's the thing. Like, if you're saying the thing that du- that makes it not low-hanging fruit is the fact that it rhymes, then I disagree because there are jokes like that and, and like, Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> and, and like, like, what you're saying to me is that the distinction is that it rhymes. And that, no, no, to no, no, me, no. is not... I'm not saying rhyming humor is not low hanging fruit. I'm saying this movie's use of it were not was not low hanging fruit. I think it, it had creative jokes and everything it did, um, and it it didn't like take the easy way out. I'm I'm not ch- saying that the jokes were were bad. I'm just saying that they weren't like I was never like caught extremely off guard by anything except for perhaps the thing at the end with with the double scene. Like <laughs> it's to me, low hanging fruit is is an easy joke, and I don't think this movie had any easy mm. jokes. Yeah, uh, I I I think I think I'm, it had some easy jokes. <laughs> I think I'm the middle ground here. I like I never I never drew out my monocle and went. Now that is a smart joke. This movie just made. <laughs> I never. Well, but I, I, I never went that's... like yeah they they were they were on their game when they made that. I never. Never in this movie did I think that. <laughs> like, not I didn't think, I every think joke that was double funny. stitch joke is fucking top notch. That's funny. The I, what? The double stitch. The joke. double stitch joke. No, okay, that's the family that's, guy cutaway. That's a good joke, but like the fact that it also like is just a cutaway gag. Well, so <laughs> yeah. and now I I don't want us to get into this fight, but I will defend I will defend cutaway Family Guy cutaways very vehemently. Oh, boy. It is not very. It, Legitimate. It is not very easy to do. You have to create a whole new universe, and you have to set up your punchline and sinker all in the matter of like. It's not. I'm not saying it's again. I'm not saying it's high art, but cutaways get more shit than they deserve. Hey, Lois. This reminds me of the time me and my (laughs) friends argued about the Last Jedi. <laughs> it's Literally. like it's not that hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think Family Guy does it well, but I, I, cutaway jokes are funny. I, I, and I, think I don't they, know. This is, I don't think this is worth yeah. discussing, really. But <laughs> no, I don't either. I, I don't think. It, it, d- let it be. Put it on the record, <laughs> Kyle, defender of cutaways. Oh, okay. I Kyle like cutaway beep. jokes. I'm just saying that. Thank you. We have a lot of bleeps. In this. All you have to do is come up like like the the the. the the best part about the joke, to me at least, is like the performance of the tailor. Like I don't like the joke itself works because they put it in there. Like it's not, it's not like this was seeded information that paid off at all. This information was given to you as soon as it came up. So it's not. It's it's not like I. It didn't even like it made me laugh, but it didn't kill me. Like that joke could that moment could have killed me. If the only thing it flashed back to was like hit the tailor going, I'm gonna give this guy some extra stitches just because he's a good guy. That was the only thing that I would have been like, all right, yeah. No, I disagree. The way that this movie did the joke of going back, then coming forward, then coming back again—that was funny—and and touching on Musburger, um, specifically saying, "I don't want the double stitch. You just want to charge me extra." That's funny. Mm. <laughs> Um, we'll, 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 we'll divert a little bit cause, uh, we are on a pretty long time now. Um, yeah, we, we should I think, probably start wrapping up. Yeah. I, I, I know, <laughs> I know. I have, I have just, just 
two more I want to get out. Um, and ju- I, I mean, I think we're having good discussion today. Um, but, uh, so Alex, you said you liked the story. Ryan and Brendan, not that much of a fan of the plot. I like the story for the same reason I, I liked the falling scene because it made no sense and it's not realistic. Okay. And I didn't and like exactly it because this it's, movie was going for. I, I didn't like it because it's just very basic. <laughs> like, what if we put an idiot in this job where we want him to fail? What would happen? Like, I've seen that before. 100%. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then have that have that juxtaposed with him succeeding against all. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> it's not that. It's not rocket science. The script. And I don't claim it I, is. I, I, I don't think it's an intelligent yeah. plot, but it's exactly what this movie needed. Like, you can't have this zany <sighs> script with, like, a a grounded story yeah, with but complex it, characters and settings. But, but they the didn't thing. go to I don't zany like places. The script and I wish it was something else. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> they they, they that's didn't fair. go to all I, that zany places with it outside of a few key. I agree, moments. and that's that's so, that's a problem with this movie. I don't think they leaned yeah. into it hard enough. I so I love this story um, very much. So, and I'm not disagree. It, it's it's definitely rehashed and it's a very you know old tried and true um but i was thinking of this a lot when i finished uh brendan as you have said you're a sucker for father-son stories of any sort um i am absolutely the same for any story on the nature of wealth um i've got three on here copperfield this and kane uh which are all i think different movies but when you boil them down uh, they're a lot you can focus a lot on hey yeah uh, money corrupts look at power etc etc um i don't and i i just i don't think that was explored well here i think it was so surface level that it was like it, it was practically like a sesame street like breakdown of it I mean, oh, a hundred. No, yeah, it's 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 very. I mean, it's. I think a good analogy would be it's very telling and not showing. Like it's literally they just say, "Hey, Tim Robbins is bad now." Uh, after he finds success, um, it's it's very quick. But after I, two, but yeah, go go on. Yeah, no, I I and I we've had this conversation kind of similarly in uh, Edge of Tomorrow. And Brendan, I know you just said it. I just wish this was a different movie. Um, but this isn't a movie that I would want to to do a deep dive onto, you know, in a character study on Tim Robbins' character. I love I, and I think it matches the movie perfectly that oh, he's been fighting for success this whole time and then we do a quick montage of him in the press and he's awful now. And he's just he's turned into the rich aristocrat. Um, like I think that serves the movie so well that they don't do a, a deep dive on that. It just it just feels like such an unsatisfying 180, though. Like what? That you didn't see it, or that? Well, no. It's like it, that's it's just it's so unsatisfying because it just feels I don't know. It just feels unearned, and maybe that's my problem that's... with the movie already. But like it just feels so like both obvious yet. I don't like unfulfilling. Like it's just it was but like, like how oh, you've been yeah, saying this movie is a parody of Citizen Kane and all that. I think that's exactly what they were going for. There, he found his one bit of success, and the next scene 
he's corrupted. Like, it, they didn't spend any time trying to, like, ease him into yeah. that. It's like, oh, no, he's corrupted now because of this one thing. Like, it, they spent, That's they fair. wasted no time in getting there. That's fair. And I, and, and honestly, like I said, like, this might be because of everything else, but, like, I, in a vacuum, I like that decision. I will say that. In, a, in, a, in any other movie, I, I probably don't mind that. And a movie that's honestly, but once again, Kyle, like, I mean, kind of against what you were saying, like, in a movie that's doing this critique better, I think that jump works better because it's something that is probably set up or, or like, stated off, offhand earlier that, like, this, the, the, this success just immediately poisons people. See, but I, that's where, again, because that's where I disagree is, like, I wouldn't like that in a more serious movie, per se. Um, I would think that's far too... I I know what I'm about to say. I would think that's too avant-garde. And too, you know, like... But here, I think it fits, because everything is avant-garde. Not enough, though. No. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, no, I would... I would call it like, oh yeah, I would call this like pretty basic. Like I, like story wise, narrative wise, that's just yeah. it. It feels like it feels so basic that such, such a strong choice narratively, feels weird maybe because like it's just it's so, it's so by the numbers for a lot. Like just if we're going narrative plot points, it's so by the numbers that I mean, like you said. Well, like Alex explained, like that there is an interesting, like choice in 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 just fast forwarding through that. That is an interesting choice, and it does say something. But it's like too little, too late. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think yeah, I think we've kind of tired this this point out. But one last thing, I yeah. think this movie wouldn't have worked with a really complex plot because the characters yeah. weren't complex. The the situations weren't complex. The writing was clearly going for gaffes and goofs. So I don't think <laughs> a very nuanced, complex plot yeah. it would have taken away from the movie. It would have felt it would have detracted and it would have felt super out of place. So I think you needed a super watered down, uh, super comically cartoonish story. Thank That's you. That's fair. No. Yep. Um, all right. Final yeah, thoughts? probably good enough for final thoughts then. Right. Uh, I think we've really explored this. Do you say you wanted to go last, Kyle? I'll go last. Yeah, okay. that's. Uh, I'll take last. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't remember the order we went in, but I'll, I'll go first. It's like it. It's just not exactly what I enjoy. I, I do think it was a pretty good movie. The visual presentation was really impressive and absolutely up to par with what I would expect from a Coen brother, much less the Coen brothers. Uh, but I loved it, the clock in Musburger's office. Just how you get the little. Uh, edge yeah. of the clock and it's this gigantic yeah. hand going through. I love That's that cool. visual. And then it's this gigantic empty offices. I, I, I really, I, if I can just butt in, that was sure. one thing we didn't talk on. Uh, and Brendan, you kind of you kind of shot it down at the beginning. I love the set design in this. I think I, I love the Art Deco look of the art department here, and I think it looks like a play in a lot of scenes. And I just I love it so much. It does feel like a play. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Ryan. Go on. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't think I agree. But I no. I, no. But yeah, I. I, like I want to keep but going. I, to final I'm thoughts. Too hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, I don't. Yeah. I think the the visual gags. I mean, are, just real quick. Go on, please. Yeah. yeah I, really. I think, I think the visual gags are far stronger than any visual presentation of what you're supposed to be feeling. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't I know. Agree. It was fine. It, it's memorable, but it's not anything that makes a huge I thought statement. Hollow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Besides the specific details, I, I do. Yeah, I think hollow is a good word for it. But uh, I think hollow is a good word too. But I think it in a positive. I think that's exactly what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I just thought to, to keep this short and sweet. I thought the movie was in general grading, but the 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 few and far between visual elements that really sold the the absurdity that this movie is trying to present i think that's by far the strongest points i I don't think really anything else stood out to me but that visual presentation of jokes in many cases is so strong that i'd say it's worth a watch for sure um i do think it's it honestly i i haven't seen hail caesar but this is but this is probably the weakest Coen Brothers movie for me. So, <laughs> um, but in, in general, um, like it, it did have redeeming qualities. So I, I can leave it at that. I'll, I'll go next. Yeah, I, I would agree pretty much with that. There are some moments that I thought were redeeming to the movie, uh, but on a whole, I did not care for it. It's probably my least favorite thing that we've watched. Which I know I I said that like two episodes ago about something else. I think you said it for Copperfield. I think so I did say it for Copperfield. Two, baby. But this one, this one found the bottom of the barrel and then dug under it and just like I Damn. exhausted me to watch this one. See, I thought this had more redeeming aspects than Copperfield. I, I liked it a I, little bit I, more, but you I know what? See where it's I, yeah, from. you know what? I can, I can, I can probably go for that. If this was, this was mercifully short. I like. I felt like it was paced better than Copperfield. I, I didn't There's feel. There's like... no need to start. Copperfield's dead. Cop- <laughs> we shot it in the head. You you bashed in its windpipe. There's no need to go after Copperfield again. I've taken the blows on well, it. This, moving well, on. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So maybe they're on the same level for me then. All right. Moving on. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Oh, cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think talking with you, Kyle, it's made me like the movie a little more. Um, because, but it's just hard to, like we all brought up earlier, the the falling scene at the end when he meets the ghost of of Hutsucker. It's both the best and worst part of that movie. The best part because it's where the movie shines, and it's the worst part because it shows you how much you wish the rest of the movie was like that. It mm-hmm. the 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 story was as simple and cartoonish as it needed to be. The sets were over the top and super dramatic and parodying, you know, capitalistic businesses and and, and just businessmen who only care about um, raising their stock prices and all that. And so they're super big and barren and grandiose, but lifeless. So I think that fit in exactly what it needed to do. And the characters were over the top. But with the way, with the world that it created, it was still grounded in this like semi-realistic world where people were like, you know, oh, toys are fun hula hoops are fun let's raise the stock price i don't know that stuff kind of felt like if they like like we said before if if they had leaned into it and made it more unrealistic then the movie would have shined because it would have been everything else would have felt like it all 
came together and that everything worked together to, to be over the top and unrealistic and, and cartoonish. Um, I love Tim Robbins. He was awesome in this movie with the other characters I didn't care about. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't notice the, the music at all. Um, I don't like this time period because everything is always brown and sepia. And I don't like that visual, but I like the the set pieces. Because you're right, it did feel like a play. And I think that was a little charming and, and added to the movie. But besides that, I like the movie. I don't know if I can rewatch this in like a year or two. I really need some time to uh, <laughs> to recover. Cool. And when I do watch it, I might have to have my finger on the mute button occasionally or play it at a slower speed. Oof. I, uh, again, I am, I, I, I feel so much better after this than I did after Copperfield. <laughs> and I think in general, people dislike this one more. No, uh, I, I like this more than Copperfield. Me too. I, I, Eh, maybe maybe not for the right mistaken. reasons, but yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, no, I, without a doubt, this is so much higher than my 14 seed. Um, I guess I'm not that sad anymore. I'm happy this is a 14 seed because it clearly wasn't going to win no matter what it went up against. Um, so I'll take what I can get in that regard, but legitimately, I, this is easily in my top ten. Um, and I, I, I said it on the last one, Coen Brothers are so hit or miss for me. Uh, and this is just such a hit. Uh, the dialogue, I get it. I totally do. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. I could just... I, could I listen to it without anything else? No. I would probably rip my headphones off in anger at being assaulted. Um, but with everything else I love, like the score... Uh, I love the 60s aesthetic of that, like you said, that sepia brown. Um, You know, it really is. It's everything that I look for in a movie. And I do, I really do think this is going to be the most heightened of that on my list. And I didn't even know. That's the best part. I totally didn't know I was getting into this when I I put it on. Um, I think the only other thing, we didn't touch on the acting that much because there's just not that much to touch on. Uh, Tim Robbins is amazing. I'm so upset Tim Robbins isn't in more movies. Why isn't Tim Robbins in more movies? I don't get it. Hudsucker um, killed him. See, there's, there's another movie that came out in 1994. Uh, that people are a big fan of with Tim Robbins. I, I was gonna say I like uh, I like Shawshank considerably more than this, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, this is the better Tim. Robbins I just don't feel like the acting is that strong. There's nothing that lends to strong acting in this. Yeah, I, in I, my I, opinion, you, I mean, you know, you, I, I don't know. Oh, wait, Shawshank came out I, after I, this. Too, too long, too late, oh, unfortunately, but uh. No, I, I, I'm going to lose. Whiplash is great. I haven't watched it yet. Everyone else has. That's fun. Um, I, I'm going to lose to Whiplash, and I'll be happy about it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very pleased with the response, as good as I got, because I was expecting far worse. So, with that, we'll move into Whiplash in two hours or so. So see you there, Clashers. Okay, so welcome back, everyone. 
Hope you had a good break. We had a wonderful short break. We are not going to I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, shorter, shorter than most shorter recordings. Than usual. Yeah. 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 We're going to jump into 2014's Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle. IMDb. I don't even see why. Seems kind of useless at this point, since Hotsucker's going to win. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess. give the underdog a shot. <laughs> well, well, we'll give it a chance. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb describes this movie as a promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. That's an okay description. Like it doesn't go into kind of like the that. brutality of yeah. I would Fletcher. say that 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 description almost like um, like, like a, a cheer me up. Like yeah, it, it almost feels like a um, it's an inspiring movie. Like a like, like a like a whitewashing of of the actual movie because it's like yeah yeah well, that, so. like you shouldn't like I don't know that that if I read that description and then went into the movie I'd be like so is this guy gonna like realize he's he's behaving poorly at any point <laughs> like oh is he gonna end up having a heart of gold <laughs> yeah well then let's add to that description uh his mentor is a brutal piece of crap he's a meanie <laughs> i would say well i would say that this movie is about um obsession and you get to see two mm-hmm. characters who are viciously obsessed with their craft. One being Neiman, who is a who is obsessed with drumming and being successful in music. And then the other one is uh, Fletcher, who is obsessed with creating uh, uh, the next talented musicians. Yeah, yeah. So, who wants to jump into first thoughts? I mean, um, I will. I basically started. Yeah. I'd, say, I'd say keep going. <laughs> Um, yeah, this I love this movie so much. I think that this movie has uh, two fantastic performances, and I think that even the side characters that you see, like at the you know dinner conversation and you know things like that, are all really strong as well. I think that the strongest thing about those uh, performances of the side characters, and I noticed this when I was watching it again, is that the only people who feel like they exist in this heightened reality that this movie seems to you know exist in uh are um are miles teller and jk simmons everyone else just feels like a regular person like just a person you'd see on the street which i find so interesting because then you have miles teller and 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 jk simmons who look like who look heightened in this heightened world so I, i really liked that watching this again and then i also really love the the story i think the script is fantastic i think the way that it plays with these characters who have these obsessions and the way it plays with um you know neiman's arc and his relationship with his father and the relationship that he has with other people is really really interesting um and then even what they do with fletcher as a character i mean you get to see fletcher at you know, I would say his most vicious, and then you get to see him in the aftermath of that. And, you know, him being somewhat reflective, but not apologetic, which is so interesting. Like, that that character never really um, makes amends or feels guilty about what he did. He just is like, yeah, 
that happened, but this is why. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I think that the music, I, I, I'm a big fan of like jazz, um, you know, orchestra music. Uh, we'll see a lot more of that in uh, Metropolis when we get to that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the music that sort of carries these, uh, these scenes and these, uh, parts of the movie. Um, and I think that like, as hard as it is to watch sometimes, uh, JK Simmons just eviscerate people, he does such a good job of selling it, um, as genuine, like hate and not just like goofballery. Because, like, you know, you watch a movie like this, uh, an actor might be saying these goo... Because, I mean, they're silly things to say. Like, they're really ridiculous insults. Um, but, you know, a different actor might play it off like that more and make it seem more sarcastic and maybe sardonic than just vicious and hateful. But J.K. Simmons, you can tell that the the only thing that Fletcher is trying trying to do is make himself laugh at the expense of other people. He's not even he's not even trying to get the group involved. He's like, "No, I'm saying something for me cuz I think it's mean and I want to be mean to you." <laughs> yeah. Um And there's a lot of great physical acting in this movie as well. When they're throwing things and you know, when uh especially in the uh audition part uh uh where it's uh Neiman and the other two drummers constantly switching until one of them c- can get the 400 tempo. Where they're just sweating, you can see like the blood pooling up on their hands and getting on the drumsticks and then pooling on the drums, and they're just sweating <laughs> and mm-hmm. moving their hands as fast as possible. Like I mean, some just really brilliant physical acting um, throughout. Yeah, the the editing of the movie really lends to that as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, the the visual of the the blood, sweat, and tears, like just on the symbol as it's crashing, is really gorgeous. Um, oh, especially yeah, at I, the end as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's when it's the most heightened. But yeah, I I love this movie. I, I think this is by far one of the most electric movies of the last ten years. Um, it really captures, like you said, Brendan, the obsession that somebody who wants to be the best at something has to go through, um, or maybe not even has to go through, but will go through in order to to reach that end. Um, I I think the performances in this movie really capture that spirit of just doing anything to get your goal. It, it does a great job of presenting the fact that Neiman in his own mind has this one thing. And if he can't have this one thing, his life is ruined. That's why he's real, uh, willing to risk his life to achieve it. Um, he's willing to go through emotional damage. He's willing to go through torment and ridicule from JK Simmons in order to get what he wants. And I, I think that is just fascinating to watch and, really engaging and yeah ultimately it's just it's just a very very satisfying movie to watch um i think you can take different meanings out of it uh just kind of based on your own experience with going for things you want so uh, based on how you've gone about that in the past might determine how you feel about how certain characters act uh, at a certain point so i yeah i think it's a movie that has something for everybody and it, it by far one of the best movies of the decade jk simmons far and above earned his oscar for best support here because oh he, without a doubt he kicked ass he kicked so much ass uh i think the oh, only performance gonna... that uh that he did that was better was uh tenzin and the legend of korra for sure 
he does a great job as he does i mean i'm i'm not even joking i do love his performance and 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 legend of court i think he he does a fantastic job uh i'm gonna push back on ryan saying this movie is satisfying to watch um now i'll i'll go ahead and start off i love movies about obsession uh and i've already been called out on it in the great waldo pepper um i do i've got the prestige and waldo on here those are both about obsession um but alex raised this point of why i like the characters in those movies but why and i still stick to this i fucking hate the characters in this movie but not in a it's a poorly written character it's in a i love to hate them way but i have i want both fletcher and neiman to have the worst possible ends because i I think that's them so much um and because of that, I do not think... I don't finish this movie and I'm like, ugh, I am satisfied. I finish this movie and I am irate and I am filled with angst and I am I am ready to go run through a brick wall to make sure justice is served to someone. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why I'm like, satisfying, just definitely not the word for me. Um... As far as everything else everyone's already said, uh, the technical and visual aspects are just fantastic in this. Um, the lighting they use is really interesting. I picked up on yeah. that a lot. This is only my second time watching, by the way. Um, it's very brassy. But, uh, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. That, that soft um, yellow, mellow, orangey glow. It's it's very, very lovely. I love a lot of the scenes. And I think that. this is probably the best portrayal of power that I think I've seen in a movie. Um, Like, how they portray Fletcher, uh, and they always, they focus on his hands whenever he's about to start, and he barely moves his hands. He just does like a... And then immediately, like, and that's where I think the editing really lends. Like, they show when Fletcher moves, music is made. And it's, like, literally, like, he's got a superpower. A really cool technique I'd never seen before. It was really, uh... Yeah. Just way to make this character. The, they did um, an excellent job of setting him up as a villain. Um, just with the way people talk about him when he's not there. Uh, I, I think one of the scenes where he's introduced... Um, after his first encounter with Neiman practicing... Is when Neiman's just talking to his dad. And he's like, oh, he saw me play. And he already knew who he was talking about. So you're, you're setting up this grandiose expectation of this guy. And you can already tell from their first interaction, yeah, he, he commands the room when he's there. So it, it perfectly shows you what you're getting into with this character. I, I think it's excellent how they set that up. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I absolutely love this movie, hence it being my number three. Um everything you guys said this movie is just so insanely captivating and for for a movie about everyone can relate to kind of a movie about like pursuing your dreams and being obsessed with nothing else but success but a movie about like high class jazz music and drumming and that kind of relationship i don't think a lot of people can relate to that definitely i can't i'm not a musician but the way that it just engrosses you and you feel for at least i guess kyle didn't get this but i feel for neiman i don't like him necessarily in that i think he's just his obsession gets him definitely but i definitely am there going oh my god i wish 
he would just freaking show Fletcher up and just prove his worth here and and, and get some satisfaction out of it. Um, and just how captivating, like you said, Fletcher is with his hand movements and the subtleties of the acting and, and everything, how just any time he closes his fist aggressively, you kind of feel that in your gut. You're like, oh, this is not going to be good. Or when Neiman's just playing a drum solo the whole time you're on the edge of your seat thinking, hey, you're over here going, don't rush, don't drag. Like you just want every drum beat to hit perfectly. Um, and we have to talk about the final scene later on, but just a mm-hmm. almost 10 minute long drum solo with very little dialogue. And the whole time when that movie ended, this final time I watched it, I just looked at my dad and I was like, I think I haven't breathed for like 10 minutes. That, yeah. that whole final scene is just incredible. The acting all around is just phenomenal. Um, the side characters, like you know, there's only two characters you care about in this movie. It's Fletcher and Fletcher and Neiman, but the side characters are all grounded in reality and all have a part in adding to Neiman's character arc and his journey through this movie. And, and they're just, they're perfect side characters that they don't, they don't detract at all from the movie. And all they do is add to the relationship that Neiman has with Fletcher um, and kind of his spiral down this journey of, of trying to prove his worth to Fletcher. Um, It's a beautifully shot movie. The editing is amazing. I love just all the quick cuts to the instruments either getting closed up or opened up and getting prepared or the the trombonists spitting their spit out I, I love it it has such a cool style and it just makes you so obsessed with this world of music um i mean we can jump into a different discussion but i, I i'm so in love with this movie it is mm-hmm. such a mm-hmm. oh and, and and to your note about the satisfaction at the end i think this movie is so satisfying uh, especially the ending because I guess we, we might as well just jump into the final scene now <clears throat> at that point in the movie Fletcher I would say won against Neiman they both lost their jobs you know Fletcher no longer works there and Neiman no longer plays there and is kind of pursuing a different life he, he already hung up his instruments and all that so but I would say even with that Fletcher won because he kind of ruined crushed Neiman's dream of playing music and definitely getting him on stage and, and embarrassing him in front of uh, some of the top jazz critics in the state. But that final scene with them going back and forth and kind of having some power complex over the other with Neiman taking control and ruining Fletcher's show and then Fletcher kind of mentoring him throughout his drum solo and telling him to slow down and speed up. It's just a constant power dynamic that switches. And it ends with Neiman not caring about the show uh, and not really caring about what Fletcher says or what the critics have to think about him, but him just putting on the performance of his life. And even though he's he kind of gave up his dream of playing music, this final showcase of his ability and just blowing. I, I don't think really anyone else cared all that much. I, I'm sure the critics are there to see like the technical prowess of that solo, but they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna sign Neiman on for that performance because he kind of did derail and ruin the show, but to kind of prove to Fletcher like yeah fuck you you ruined my life but this is what I'm worth and like I just took over your show to show you this and I think that is so insanely satisfying because even though he's not going to pursue music from then on he kind of just like he got that final he got the final say in in their Mm. relationship there and was like hey this is what you missed out on Um, see I take that ending a bit differently 
Yeah, I, well, I was gonna say like mm-hmm. uh, more to more to Kyle's uh, part of it not being satisfying. I would say that this movie is as satisfying as <clears throat> like uh, the Revenge of the Sith. Like, I don't like you're you're not supposed to like the two people who ultimately sort of leave unscathed, right? Like, I think I think the end to me is like, yeah, I mean, Fletcher won, Neiman's fucked up beyond belief. And now they have this sort of return to a terrible, toxic relationship between each other. Yeah, I I take that ending, which I don't know if you guys see that as a a, a happy that he, you know, kind of is, is showing up Fletcher in that moment, or because I take it as a, a sad and or yeah. kind of terrifying ending. Yeah, I take because yeah. you're you're watching somebody just Break. he's gone, <laughs> and I I think that scene of his father peering in on him like through the, the cracked doorway in. his dad just looks scared he's like i don't know who that is anymore and to some degree like i think that's neiman getting exactly what he wants in some ways i i could easily take that as being the symbol being chucked at his head moment for him um, that that made the other musician great that turned him and motivated him to be better that moment is like his defining moment and i think that fletcher saw that and I think that yeah. Neiman recognized it too. So they're playing off of each other. And that moment, it's like, it's almost like they're allies, but maybe allies for the wrong reason. Neiman might be giving a great performance, but it's kind of at the cost of his own morality or sanity. But uh, along those lines, and then, with you saying that like um, Fletcher finally got his like great musician out of out of Neiman in that final performance, the yeah. symbol thrown to the head kind of thing. Um, I agree with that, but I also think that Neiman has given up music, and he's not going to pursue that in life. I don't. And so I feel like he is. Fletcher oh, yeah. that I satisfaction. Hard no, that. I, I think that honestly, I think that this was that to, the way I took it is that Neiman was, you know, sort of defeated, defeatedly giving up music, and the fact that Fletcher gave him this opportunity, and you know, sort of pulled this out of him, brought him all the way back in. Like yeah, I, I, I think I think he's I think now he's back in and gone because now Fletcher knows. Like I, I think it's now a relationship between him and Fletcher where Fletcher knows this is a yeah. musician that is truly talented. This is my legacy. This is what I leave. Mm-hmm. Is this truly talented musician? I'm gonna keep pushing this kid. Um, you know, until he, you know, shoots up of hair with heroin, dies at 35, but everyone knows his name. <laughs> You know, no, off like, of, off I, of I, what Ryan was saying, I, uh, I, I, very similar to what everything uh, y'all have said, but I took it as like a because you know he runs, he runs out, and he's ashamed, and his father comes and shows him any kind of love and compassion again, and then he still, even after this, goes, "No, music is better than this." Still, and he says, "I'm gonna go win." Um, See, and then that I scene that of the father looking through the door is like a, uh, oh yeah, I. Neiman has chosen Fletcher over his own father. Yeah. He wants this rather than that. I, I don't I see it as when he walked off an embarrassment, obviously he's super defeated. <clears throat> but he turns back to say, Fletcher's not gonna beat me here. Fletcher's not gonna make a fool out of me in front of these people. I'm gonna take control of my own performance and improve my worth here. And I do truly believe that that Neiman's given up music, both to, I'd say, kind of petty or or to spite Fletcher in that 
again, he's proving his worth and showing just how great of a drummer he really is. But he's not going to give Fletcher the satisfaction of almost exploring that gift because he's giving up music. And he's not giving Fletcher that great musician that he's always wanted. But but proving that he could have been. So he kind of wins in his own personal struggle in that he is the musician he always wanted to be. But he's not going to give Fletcher I, that musician. But I, uh, to like, me, I, I feel could like... see that at the beginning of the performance, but like at the end, when so Fletcher broken. comes up and he's turned and he's like, "Andrew, what are you doing, man?" And then he meets him eye to eye. He's like, "Hey, I'll cue you in. Come on, let's keep this going." I take that as a we're on the same page now. We're yeah. We're at good. that point, at that point, he's not embarrassing Fletcher. At that point, Fletcher is yeah is proud. Fletcher is getting what he wants. If, if Fletcher was truly embarrassed, he probably would have just fucking kick the, the drums out from under <laughs> yeah. um, I, mean, I he definitely the... was embarrassed at, at the beginning I don't think he would he would kick the drums out because he is putting on this different persona in front of uh, the rest of the audience well sure but I, he, pro- he probably would have been like Andrew you gotta stop like but the well he second... did he said Andrew what are you doing man yeah no but the no second... that's at the end though that's yeah. at the end of Caravan yeah, yeah. and I so think he's him... when, when he uses Andrew he's he's like I'm relating to this guy man to man. And when he's, he's like, yeah, hey, dude, come on, we did it. We're good. It's not like a, dude, you got to stop. You're embarrassing us. It's like, hey, man, we, we did it. We won. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's Andrew going further to show, I don't care. Like, this is, this is me. I, I'm playing this music for me and to show that I'm amazing at this. Yeah. But I, um, I, I don't, I don't think that is to the detriment of Fletcher at all. I think Fletcher is, I think the second Fletcher meets his, his gaze, he goes, I know what he's. I know what he's doing. Let me help him, because then he just then he starts, yeah. you know, you know, directing him, mentoring him, and and I don't think he would do that if he was bothered at all by by what. No, was no, going no. On. I think I, I don't think Fletcher stayed bothered. I think he he started well, I don't th- I, to admire I don't think... Neiman a ton in, during that performance. I don't. I don't think he was bothered very much at all. Uh, you know, because he, he it, it seems almost genuine concern. Um, because I, I think after their conversation, I think that they both understand each other a little bit better. And I think that Fletcher was like, like, Hey man, what are you doing? Like, you're talking about the conversation in the jazz bar. Yeah. See, I don't agree because I think Fletcher was manipulating Neiman in that entire conversation. I don't think so. I I, don't, Fletcher has no need. He signed him on to a band. For the purpose of embarrassing him, giving him music yeah. he doesn't know how to play. I, I think I it was manipulation. Uh, pretty much I, I, throughout, it was manipulation on Fletcher's end. Um, and that that's one of the hooks that I really like about the movie, is this idea that somebody with so much power over Neiman is just slowly poisoning him, really. And you see Neiman even start to act like him. Well, yeah, uh, I, no, I think that's I, I don't, I a don't really think great that there, element. I don't think that there is no manipulation in that scene, but I think that a lot of like the I don't know, um, a lot of the I don't know beliefs that they talk about and things like that. I, I think that to an extent, I think Fletcher absolutely yeah. agrees with everything he said about himself. Um, and I think that he did. He was listening to Neiman. I you know, in order to manipulate mm-hmm. him, he had to understand where Neiman was coming from. Uh, so, like, I, I think that conversation did help them to understand each other, even if the purpose was manipulation. Like, I mean, 
I don't think Fletcher ever understood Neiman because Neiman never really spoke in that conversation. It was more Neiman going like, oh, you know what? You are a terrible guy, but I understand why you're terrible. You're here because you're passionate about music and you want to be an, you want to take an active role in creating truly great musicians. And that's why he says, yeah, but I, I I think the worst two words is good job. Yeah. I, I think that Neiman understanding that in Fletcher told Fletcher everything he needed to know about Neiman. I think Fletcher because, well, no, <laughs> manipulating Fletcher, Neiman into understanding him. It's like, all right, I've got him by the balls now. Now it's sure, time to sure. strike. Sure, but you can only manipulate someone with that if they do be- believe it themselves. And once you know that this kid it, it understands and like, you know, can 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 understand the lengths that Fletcher would go for obsession. He's like, well, yeah, I know, I know the type of kid that this is. Like, this kid wants it more than anything else. Yeah, and, I, I think it's a bit of both, to yeah. be fair, because um, it was shown earlier when, because I, I think Fletcher has this ability to uh, kind of catch you off guard with his genuineness, and then immediately turn around and use what you said against you. That was shown earlier when when Neiman was talking about his mother and. <laughs> Fletcher, I do believe, is being genuine in those moments. But then, when he's oh yeah, he, when he goes on the attack, he does not stray away. He, he has no sort of uh, boundary with what he will and will not say. He will use the things that you've told him in confidence, and he will use it against you. So I, I think that that bit in the bar. I think he is being genuine with his intentions. I think he is telling Neiman exactly what he's doing, but he's using that to kind of bait Neiman back. Um, yeah. So yeah, I. It's 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 a little bit of both, um, and yeah, I, I love that element of Fletcher's character that he that he uses those little breadcrumbs that he picks up along the way and just throws them in your face <laughs> at a yeah, hundred miles an hour. He's an absolute <laughs> sociopath. Like he, j- he yeah, he's like he's like oh yeah, I, I I have this information. I probably shouldn't use this information. I'm gonna use it for my purposes. I'm yeah, no use it no to decent make me happy no decent human being would throw the fact that you don't have a mom right right back in your face when you're already he's already feeling like an underdog he's new in this class he's maybe a little self-conscious about his ability and yeah fletcher does not stray away from really using the big rounds to uh to, <laughs> to kind of force his hand into either quitting or proving him wrong on the uh on the good job front uh which i think is a really interesting part of this movie as well uh, I, I thought I caught at the very last scene when it's just it's Fletcher above the eyes, or right below the eyes. You can't see his mouth at all, and he's about a. It's after Neiman's solo. I thought I caught that he makes the facial expression like he says to Neiman, "Good job." Um, am I totally off on that, or what do you guys? think? I didn't catch that because I took him more. It's just this like moment in it, the moment, and then right he just before. goes the, the crescendo. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I it, I it would not surprise me. Um that's not something I picked up on if it is there, but that would I think fit kind of the motif of that moment. But yeah, I would does... say, I would say look for it cuz like it caught me off guard. It was like it, it's just the subtle moment right before uh the big crescendo happens and you definitely see he's looking at Neiman and his eyes kind of make the what you would do. No, I, I mean, I think that. that's totally possible. I think that, like, in that moment is the only time where I would expect Fletcher to be genuinely complimentary towards Neiman. Because mm-hmm. he's achieved, like, the great art of whatever he's doing. Yeah. And uh, that 
that good job uh, message, I guess, that Fletcher had. There's a, and that's a big part about how I, I interpret this movie and how I would expect anybody to interpret it is kind of your own experience with going after something you're passionate about. Um, the idea of never saying good job to me, I think, is a little detrimental because it might bar somebody who has potential from ever trying. Now, that said, if they if they have that potential and they care enough, they're never going to be, you know, they're never going to be dissuaded, and that's kind of Fletcher's point. So it's a little bit of both, but. Yeah, I, I really like that this movie relies a lot on the audience to kind of fill in how they should be feeling. And it, it really doesn't oh, yeah. stray away from letting the audience kind of come up with its own decisions about things. And I Absolutely. really respect I mean, that. I mean, look at look at how different Alex's interpretation was from you know, yeah, our exactly. Like, I mean, that's, that's entirely the strength of the movie, not the weakness of it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any other weaknesses? Because the only thing for me is I think the the relationship with him and the the movie theater girl is a little clunky. I think it's entirely effective. Like, I think it perfectly shows, like, what Neiman is missing out on and kind of how he's going to be treating people if he's going down this path. So I think it was effective there. It was just, like, the chemistry was a little off. Like, it just didn't feel real. It felt like it was moving things forward in a way that made sense, but it, it just felt, yeah, like I said, clunky. Yeah, it felt like a less um, effective version of the relationship that you see at the start of the social network between um, mm. uh, Mark Zuckerberg and, Mark Zuckerberg and, and, and his then-girlfriend. Because, I mean, it was kind of the same dynamic where one person just thought they were better <laughs> than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Ex- for me, except I think looking through this movie, may- maybe I'm biased because I'm kind of looking at it with rose-colored glasses. But the relationship oddly worked for me. This is, and that's often been the criticism for a lot of these movies, especially with like Hot Sucker Proxy, is that I didn't buy the relationship. But I think there, his awkwardness at the movie theater, asking her out and her like kind of embarrassing him a bit, was endearing. And then their little pizza date with him kind of getting under her skin on accident by bringing up like oh well what are you passionate about what do you want to pursue like what do you want to study and her getting defensive but then coming mm-hmm. back around and, and meeting each other and then she kind of like slides her foot next to his that to me at that point i bought the relationship and i was like this feels like really real and genuine and authentic um, yeah and i almost didn't need to see more i'm glad that the next time we see him together is when he's breaking up with her like an idiot um and then i felt that because i was like well you just started making things really good between you two and now you're just being an idiot you're breaking up with her in the worst possible way you can uh, I, I, I buy that moment I think that point is really important and I agree with what you said I think what is done is very effective and, and very necessary but it's the actual like physical acting how they are and how they act uh, off each other I think is just clunky like I, I don't know if it's I, I think it is just the acting in those parts I don't know I think what they're saying is totally effective and I, I think it totally plays into the, the idea of what it's going for. This idea that Neiman can't put another love above drumming. <laughs> um, and then later on, when he's already broken up with her and he invites her to this concert, and she's like, oh, I have a, a boyfriend. And he's kind of like, oh, I threw that away. It's, it just kind of highlights the things that you have to kind of make top priority if you want to have this kind of life and the things you're going to sacrifice so for that i thought it was very effective it's just yeah the the chemistry was a little strange i don't know 
I didn't think there was enough interactions between them to really get a gauge on the chemistry. I don't think. Um, like, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. I, I agree. I think the way they portray it is really good. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say uh, there's just not enough for me to make that judgment. I don't think. Yeah, that's probably just a personal thing for me. But it, it, yeah, just how they talked to each other, not what they said, but how how they were talking is what I kind of. It didn't seem genuine to me, but yeah, I, very I, I, very effective nonetheless. To me, there was no more moment where I believed that they were that they were going to make it. I guess, which I feel like for that part to work, at least for me, there has to be the. I guess the the idea that that he is sacrificing something that that could have worked, but the way they talk and stuff, it ju- it's just like this seems like it's seems like a real dead end relationship. <laughs> and maybe if we had seen more of it, I you know, like Kyle said, maybe it would have felt more uh, genuine or or or, or uh, achievable. But uh, to me, it's like I mean, the second you. Like the second he started like needling her about her life and and things like that, it's like mm-hmm. oh well, that's this is just how this guy is. Like I don't think this is gonna last. Uh, yeah. And then literally the next scene, they're breaking up. So it's like I see you know? <laughs> the relationship. Like the main purpose of that relationship in that movie was to just highlight Fletcher's manipulation on him. Because absolutely, when he asks her out, it's when he's feeling the best about himself, and that's right after Fletcher's giving him compliments and it makes him. I think a core member of the band um and then when she breaks up with him is when fletcher's really just going to town on them and and making him feel yeah. awful and just he, he's never felt worse about his ability and so that's kind of like the relationship i think in this movie is just to kind of really drive home and really personalize this torture and manipulation that fletcher's uh putting him through by kind of like i think we all relate to a relationship um in some way like a romantic relationship in some way but we don't necessarily relate to having a mentor that's this torturous um and so that's kind of a way to to humanize neiman and and, and drive home that point to the audience in case they don't relate See, to I, a mentor like that this is one that i i definitely do take differently again i'll say i fucking hate Neiman. i hate him and i hate him well, no more than in that scene um, yeah no yeah i i think that that's the problem I, that I, I have with it is that if this is meant to humanize Neiman, this is when I hate Neiman the most. Because even I should have said humanize because I don't think it, it, it is to humanize him. Um, no, he, I think it was more to, off, to bring. I was going to say he comes off terribly in like almost every scene that they're together because he's he's always some kind of jackass. But I don't even see. I'll 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 go. I don't even think that scene serves to demonize Fletcher more for me either. To me, I see that, and I'm like, yeah, Neiman is just such a volatile person that he's willing to let someone do this to him and then, you know, lash that out on others. Yeah. Kind of. It, it's, I think it is less about demonizing Fletcher and more about showing how Fletcher's claws have kind of entered Neiman's everyday life. It, it's pretty yeah, subtle I mean. in that way. Like, it's not... I mean, obviously, if Fletcher's not <laughs> in the booth behind him, like, break up with her, break up with her. <laughs> That'd be insane, but uh, he's you got, can he's see got that. one AirPod in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can Neiman. see kind of Fletcher's bite 
in Neiman, um, like at the dinner table when he's like, yeah, D3 football, like great. When he, he's just kind of shaming other people because he has such this high vision of himself and his art. And you, you also see that, um, oh, there was another example, but I forget what I was going to use. But, oh, oh, when uh, he's at that concert and he shows up late and he's like, no, this is my part. This is mine. And, and he, the guy's like, hey, man, settle down. It's over. And he's like, you're going to turn my pages, bitch. <laughs> it's like you can see that, that edge that Fletcher has just slowly so start to creep out of Neiman. Do you, this is, do you guys think Fletcher instilled that into Neiman yeah. or unlocked it in Neiman? I think Unlocked. instilled. No, I, 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 if Kyle, if you're getting at him, you know, unlocking it in Neiman, I agree with that more because you can mm. tell from the relationship yeah. that Neiman has with his family that he never respected his father. That like, <laughs> like that there's yeah. so much about his, like his relationships that seem very like negative and his thoughts about people being very negative i think that i think that he's always had uh, like this edge but he just never had the maybe he didn't have the clout to back it up well not even clout i don't think he had the emotional instability to lash out i mean but by the time he's he's been working with fletcher uh for for a decent amount of time He's been going through like the this traumatic like <laughs> abuse <laughs> that he's he's like erratic and he lashes out at people and he you know he 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 insults them and he does things that he he didn't do before but I feel like that was stuff that he had felt and that he had wanted or, or thought um on his own. I, I think that him lashing out like that is a result of Fletcher but I don't I don't think that he was like no, I actually like um, my uncle. <laughs> yeah, I could. I guess I could see that. I think it's again a little bit of both. I'm, re- maybe. I'm really proud of my father, and I love my uncle. <laughs> I don't think those are things that he ever thought. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just no, see. I, I it's a learned behavior kind of thing. Like even yeah. if you have those thoughts, you would never act on them. So I don't know. I, I almost instill and unlock is almost kind of the same idea yeah. here. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess the idea is that like it's not like Neiman was this, uh, the, this like Clark Kent good boy. Yeah, charming you know? young man. Yeah, like he yeah. was always this like you know, uh, um, reserved. I I, like I almost feel like of... he kind of is just like with how he is for lack of a better word he's he's just sweet with his dad like just going to the movies with him getting some popcorn eating around the raisinets and stuff i don't know <laughs> like that that it just uh showed a like losing innocence kind of thing when he meets fletcher and starts interacting with him well i think that i think that the difference is that he is finally um putting his his art and his career above anything else and at yeah, that maybe point, that's it. he can't, like, he can't uh, resolve the feelings that he has about his dad's career and his dad's life when constantly thinking about what he wants for himself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, lots of great discussion able to be yeah, had I mean, this about is, this is any a, moment, really. <laughs> yeah, this is such a good movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of other things that, like, really stand out to me i I think just as a whole package it works very very well and it's quick too i love the runtime and the the editing really lends to how quick and snappy this movie feels 
Yeah, I think that's yeah, a I'm big strain. What won fat. best? What what won best yeah. picture this year? Was it Birdman? Give me a second. Yeah, I think oh, it's was Birdman. it Birdman? Okay, that's fair then. But yeah, Birdman is like, excellent. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't imagine how this didn't win best picture because I the, this movie is yeah. so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's up against Birdman, it's up against. Birdman. Oh, oh, wait a minute, everybody! <laughs> it might not be. Hold up, let me see. Might not be. I thought it was the same year. <laughs> it might be. It might. I, I might have my year wrong, but it might be Argo. Oh, uh, fuck off! That would be so. Upsetting. It'd be the 2015 Oscars because I think they both came out in 2014. No, it was Birdman. Yeah, it was Birdman. It okay. was Birdman. Okay. All right, that's yeah. that's a fair win then. If it was and Argo, I, I, that would have been upsetting. <laughs> I know yeah. Kyle doesn't like Birdman, but I, I love Birdman. Fucking hate it. I love Birdman. <laughs> like that's one. That's the only thing that I think could outshine a movie like this that year. Like we. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but like the editing and everything that this movie does so well, I feel like Birdman does just as well, and it has more to say. And yeah, it's, well, it's I would say that the big, both beautiful the big movies. The, yeah, the big difference between Birdman and, and Whiplash is that Whiplash does um, does things incredibly well um, and is basically like a textbook example of how you make really, you know, concise, good editing and, you know, how you make these choices and write this script. Whereas Birdman is kind of insane and takes a trillion risks throughout the movie <laughs> and yeah. and they, they somehow all pay off. Um, which I, I, you know, yeah, that does put it above this movie because even though this movie's fantastic, it's not like it's not like Birdman, like <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, honestly, that's even just an opinion. I could very easily see it being fifty-fifty or even more in favor. People preferring Whiplash just because. Oh well, yeah, I, I'm talking about Academy people. I'm I, I, oh like, okay. I, like I think that if you sat two people, like if you sat a group of like just people in a room and had them watch both movies, Whiplash would win every single time i don't, th- mm-hmm. I don't think you're ever gonna get a majority of like r- like <laughs> regular people going yeah Birdman." that was really like <laughs> color me the defender of the common man <laughs> yeah i think yeah. i think Birdman is more of like an academy movie because it is really uh yeah. risky and, and and interesting in a way that um that was surprising it's, yeah you know, 20 i was just it's 2014 excellent year nightcrawler came out that year as well yeah, i mean there's just okay, yeah, a lot of Oscar really snub. really really electric movies take me back, take me back yeah. to 2014 boyhood <laughs> the imitation game x-men days of future past <laughs> damn yeah even the superhero yeah. movies were better back then damn okay big hero <laughs> six is strong year how to train your dragon 2 yeah it's a good year yeah. really what was going on that year Wait. Let's change the podcast. Let's do the 2014 Rewind podcast. <laughs> yeah. Tired of this Kino Clash. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Did anybody have any other threads for Whiplash? Cause, Alex, like, your movie. You got anything else? I think we touched on, on all the major parts of this movie. It's a short discussion, shorter than the other ones. It's I a short movie. Just, I mean. Yeah, it's a short movie. <laughs> and it's so, yeah. like, brisk. Like, it's so mm-hmm. just everything that you could ever need in the movie with no fat like just Mm -hmm. that's what i was saying earlier it's so everything needs to stay in that movie i can't think of a single second that can be cut out and wouldn't take away from the movie i think everything here adds to the characters adds to the setting adds everything um it's a tight little package hyper focused movie what'd you say (laughs) it's it's a tight little package (laughs) it's a tight little package i mean miles is drumming is such a tight little package miles teller (laughs) Miles is such a tight little package. You know, when I when I was looking at Miles' drum, I thought 
damn. Now, that that man is Mr. Fantastic for sure. If I could describe him <laughs> in any words, it'd be Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that I, is, haven't, I haven't seen really that, talk but about it that, quite but bad. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Um, we didn't talk about Fantastic Four that much. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, new, new thread, new thread. <laughs> Fa- Fantastic Four. I just want to say one thing: the first like twenty minutes of that movie were kind of interesting. No. Everything else, awful. <laughs> no, I completely first agree. Twenty minutes uh, the is first, kind of interesting. The first like twenty thirty minutes, I was like, I don't get why people are slamming this movie. Yeah, no, I, I was in the theater thinking the same thing. I was like, this is fine. This is like the ultimate Fantastic Four comics. Like this isn't terrible. And then it just. <laughs> Miles Teller, uh, in in a uh, Hispanic face, uh, and running through the w- wilderness of Mexico as the thing chases him, and and uh, and the SEAL Team Six tries to snipe him, and you're just like, yeah, I think they might have gone in a weird direction with this movie. <laughs> yeah, is that technically a part of the MCU? No, uh, no, couldn't be right. I mean, Marvel didn't make it, or Marvel no, Studios. That didn't. was Fox. Was it Fox? Okay. Yes. It was gonna cross over. Hmm. If it All was right. successful, it was gonna cross over with the X Men using the um, fan force like negative negative zone or whatever. But huh. well, anyway, what I was gonna touch on is we didn't really talk about um, Michael B. Jordan in Fantastic no. Four. Miles Teller, <laughs> Miles Teller, and how impressive of an actor he was, and just like what a great drummer he is. I love actors who who really go into their performance and are genuine, like. Actors who can properly sing and actually sing in their movies or um, yeah. athlete mm-hmm. actors. And so it's just, he's a great drummer. And that added really so much to the physical performance because it's it's real. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't acting. Um, and I'm sure he related on some level to trying to be the best drummer he can and trying to prove his worth against a, a teacher or an audience. And so I think that added a ton to his performance. And it- very emotional performance like all around but like yeah especially for Miles he's Teller. a great physical actor i know brendan touched on it in the beginning but yeah he he yeah. very much so uh can we take a pause real quick guys my mom is calling me yep okay sure here we'll put an ad break in here buy prilosec otc it'll help you with your heartburn and make you feel like a real blue collar comedian <laughs> Plus, you can go to the county fair and eat all the corn dogs you want. Yippee! All right, um, were were we kind of in closing thoughts territory? You think we were pretty much there. Okay. Okay. wrapping it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I, I guess I'll jump into it since I'm talking. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is an excellent movie. Um, it it's a challenging, but it's not like challenging. But it raises a lot of questions, and it makes it really engaging for the audience. And that's something that doesn't happen with a lot of like crowd-pleasing movies. And so I think this movie really soars for that reason. Like You can show this to about anybody, and they'd be like captivated. It makes them think and everything. And that's something, yeah, a lot of, a lot of crowd-pleasing movies don't really make you think about anything. They're just there to entertain you and then send you out the door two hours later. This is one that sticks with people, and it's, it's really, really great um great performances the editing is remarkable i love the music in this movie we didn't even really talk about it but yeah i just i, I like listening to, to some good jazz who doesn't like that you know so yeah, yeah overall just excellent time i always have a good time watching this yeah I'll, I'll be short and sweet as well um this movie is great i i love this movie i love everything that this movie does 
I love the orangey, yellowy glow of many of the buildings. I think that this movie just has such a unique style and look to it. Like, I don't know, like, I always just think about the the shots of Fletcher in the music room with that orangey glow and he has the black shirt on. He just looks so imposing. Um, we also didn't talk about just how daddy J.K. Simmons is in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> big, Boys big wearing a t-shirt that's one size arms. too small. Get to see all of it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I just think that everything in this movie works incredibly well. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. So I thought it was really... I, I, I thought this was a really interesting episode to go after the last one. Uh, one, because two Cobro in a row, but number two, two music movies in a row. Um, and I, I still do uh, stand by the, my take in the last one. Or not my take, just where I am. Uh, I, I, I loathe the musicians. I, I hate their plight. I do not respect it. So I have no empathy for Newman in this. I'm like, your your craft is stupid. I hate you for making people miserable because of it, and I wish you nothing but poverty. Wait, hold up. You However, your craft is stupid. You're a big music guy. I am. I am. But I do not think it's worth a lick of salt to what he does. Um, I mean, but and, and I would say that that is the strength of this movie is that you can go into it with that opinion and just be like, yeah, fuck you, Neiman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can use that as fuel for like something you're passionate about. I mean, there are parallels you can take with this and anything. Like say, say you want to be a great tennis player. There's similar strokes that need to be taken. Well, then you uh, need since... to watch King Richard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, so I, I think that is a good point, though. I mean, like, you know, there are movies where I hate the characters and I can't watch the movie. I can watch this all day long. It's so good, and I, I love to hate our two uh, our two leads. Um, and it makes me very uncomfortable and very anxious. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is a phenomenal movie. Um, it does everything close to perfect if not perfect um and yeah no i can't i would recommend this to literally anyone it's weird because this movie is so anxiety inducing but i can watch this endlessly i never get tired of watching this movie unlike like a safety brothers movie i just watched uncut gems for the first time and that was enough um probably (laughs) except for good time i might watch good time again but um so i don't i don't know what it is about this movie um because I don't feel good watching it, but I love my feeling after watching it. Uh, I think it is. I think it is close to a perfect movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I love and hate the characters so much. I think they are so well developed, and I love the relationships, um, especially between obviously Fletcher and Neiman. Um, and also, I love how the music almost plays as a character in this movie. Like oh, it spe- absolutely does. Specifically, like Caravan and Whiplash, in that you get so, uh, you just un- you. What I'm trying to say here, like you, you start really understanding certain parts of the of the of the music, especially the part where you know Miles Teller keeps rushing or dragging, um, and so anytime that part of the music comes on in a different performance, you're kind of like oh, cringing a bit, like see if he can make it through that performance, and then he does, and you feel so relieved. So it's just you, you get to understand the music so well. Um, and it, it just adds to the anxiety and the pressure you feel during the movie. 
uh, I think I-, I love all the side characters, the dad and the girlfriend, because they they really just bring out how awful Fletcher, how how deep his claws have gotten into Neiman. Um, I also love like all the other drummers in this movie. I think they were they were all pretty Flanner. different. Flanner, yeah, the Leprechaun and uh, <laughs> and and the original one. Um, I-, I think they they're all super different, but and, and I loved how Fletcher used them as just a means to get mm-hmm. Neiman to get they're just him. ammo they, they were just ammo and, and, he, and he brings that up at the bar at the end I love everything about this movie I think it is I, I think it should have won best picture I saw Birdman it was I liked it but Whiplash was way better um, and I, I, I absolutely love the final scene the final scene I my heart rate goes to a thousand and I stop breathing it is so captivating to watch a drum solo um, and these two characters interact and in, in, in really different ways so yeah that's whiplash uh i wanted to ask before we uh digress uh which song do you guys like better do you like caravan or whiplash more i I like i liked caravan i I just really like that that symbol lick Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no i like caravan much more than i like whiplash I just like the when it picks up that right after that it goes and it's just like jivey yeah. and jazzy. I was like, oh, this is good. I'm just like bobbing my this, head listening to that. This movie does make me wish I got more into Trump Kit because I, I played uh, Marching Snare, but I, I, I played a little bit of Kit, but I always would just focused on Snare. Watching this, it's just like how he's flinging his arms around, just going <laughs> like it's just so cool. Drum kit is such a neat instrument. It is. It's very cool. Yeah. All right, let's get on to the vote. All right, let's do voting. Who? You know, I'm going to take the lead on this. I'm going to take the lead. Oh damn! Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm I'm going to be uh, forthwith on this one. I'm voting for Whiplash. Um, and if I thought Hudsucker had even a sliver of a shot, I would vote for Hudsucker. So this is truly a tip of the cap. I concede Whiplash is a better movie. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I love Hudsucker. I, I got that across in the last one. I'm not going to rehash my points. Uh, it is, I totally get it, why a very small amount of people would like it. Um because the dialogue is just not for everybody. And Whiplash is incredible. It is, you know, I said close. I think I would honestly call it a perfect movie. Now, after this discussion especially. So, yeah. Tip of the hat. Well done, Alex. Get your get your W, pal. <laughs> so with that being said, my vote is for Whiplash. Uh, am I oh. next? Yeah. I think you go next. <clears throat> Uh, it's Not no that there's much stakes in this <laughs> one that we need to put together. <laughs> my my vote goes to Whiplash, but I did like Hot Sucker Proxy, uh, and and, and I, I liked our discussion of it because I think I, I got more out of the movie from talking about it. But yeah, at the rehash, the dialogue was abrasive and hard to listen to. But the characters were fun, the setting was fun, the plot was as simple and and goofy as it needed to be. But Whiplash is just such a great movie. And just rewatchability. I don't think I could rewatch Hudsucker Proxy anytime soon. Whiplash I could watch right now twice. 
Um, characters were so much more engaging. The plot was so unique and different. Um, uh, Fletcher might be one of the greatest villains I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and weird because he just comes off as just evil for the sake of being evil. But then when you get the more human moment in the bar of him kind of explaining himself why he is so evil, I don't agree with him, but I understand him. And so that, that really adds to my appreciation for the character. Yeah, that's but, yeah. like any good villain. If you understand their plight and hate them regardless, then that that's the perfect villain. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he, I think he's one of the evilest characters in mm-hmm. any movie um, because he, he is almost realistically evil there are people out there who are like this as opposed to like just like serial killers you see in movies that are like okay well like are people really like that but yeah i love whiplash uh my vote twice goes to whiplash so that's three for whiplash so far (laughs) that's three for whiplash um i'll go next uh i definitely i will say kyle i slept on it I feel like I enjoy Hudsucker Proxy more after the discussion, uh, just like Alex. And I will admit that I had been having a bit of a nonstop week, uh, and I rolled right into that discussion very tired and very over Hudsucker Proxy. (laughs) Um, But you know what? I've slept a good, I think, nine to ten hours, uh, and I I feel much better. And I feel like I might have, I might be able to give it a little bit more leeway and maybe see some of the, um, see some of the good, uh, if not all of the good. Uh, but either way, even with my uh, tumultuous week, I still really fucking loved Whiplash, so it's gonna be Whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my my vote is also Whiplash uh, to, to keep it short. Uh, Hudsucker, I did appreciate a lot about it, and that is one that I want to revisit someday. Um, perhaps not next week or the week after, but certainly someday. There's just a lot of elements that are just so absurdly <laughs> like funny <laughs> that it, it, it merits a rewatch. So I will, I will have that one in the back of my mind. But Whiplash is one that is always going to be in the front of my mind of some of the greatest movies that came out this century. Quite frankly. Um, it's just it's electrifying it's entertaining and there's not there's hardly any notes about it that i dislike um it's it, it's not perfect for uh-huh. me but it's it's about Very as close clever. as you can get so <laughs> yeah, thanks um <laughs> so uh yeah I, I th- is that the first 4-0 i think that's the first victory because i Ryan, think you've kyle gotten voted 4-0. For, no because kyle i think voted for rocketeer when i voted for alien I did. I voted yeah, for Rocketeer, so this is the and first I recused myself from Old Boy. Old, old Boy was three really, zero, but I really came from the bottom. The last time was yeah, break the the losing streak, and then now I got the first four zero. Alex had his leg broken and stood up in the in the crane pose and snap kicked his record <laughs> in the face. <laughs> it's like Alex is the Karate and Boy. Now I own the bottom. <sighs> You're one and four, right? I live in filth and squalor. I I'm I am now one and four. <laughs> I think I'm three. That's all right. Three and something. I don't know. It might be like we three haven't done a Kino stats. Yeah, do we want to do a baby one? Take a quick yeah, sec. We'll do, we'll, we'll do a, a stat check. This is right, episode so... twelve. Okay, we're not quite halfway. We're not quite. We're getting real close though. We're getting real real yeah. close. So yeah. I am one and five. Alex is two and three. Ryan is a dick, and Brendan <laughs> is 
uh, <laughs> you're, you're breaking even right now? I think, I think, I, two, I think two I and think three. Two, two and three, yeah. If not two and All three. All right, I'm not, hey, I'm not as in bad a shape as I thought. Yeah, Brendan but. and I are tied. Yeah. All right, <sighs> let's roll them bones. Let's yep, roll you got them, that bracket handy, Kyle. I sure do. I also posted uh, it on the thing finally. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Let's see. One to twenty. We're at it. Oh wait, should I roll an actual d twenty? Yes. <laughs> oh no, I'll be right. I'll be wait, right I back. can roll one. Let me. Let okay. Me okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go. If you have one handy. Now, now it's way, legit. Phil, I was Ever, talking with Alex about everything this before last night. wasn't I'm legit not really because it was on the computer. This is legit though. <laughs> we gotta get a. We gotta uh, order some 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, and thirteen sided die, and then eleven, nine, seven. Five. There it is. There it is. There it is. The D twenty. Got my big right. ass D twenty. Kyle, throw it into your wall and see what side is sticking out. <laughs> make make this monumental. Uh, I can roll it on here. Where's yeah, your I'm dice gonna, tower? I'm flipping the microphone around. <sighs> All right. So I just rolled that D twenty, and it's a fourteen. And then with insane math skills, I just looked and saw what the fourteenth matchup was. Um, so this took place over the span of two seconds. Uh, and our next matchup is going to be our final 7v10 matchup. Uh, and it is going to be the Aviator, my number seven seed, versus Pan's Labyrinth, Alex's number ten seed. All right. Delightful. I'm looking forward to watching the Aviator for the first time, and I'm not looking forward to watching Pan's Labyrinth again. So here we go. <laughs> I, I like Pan's Labyrinth. I no, have never seen. I, I Pan's meant that. Labyrinth. I meant that. I meant that in a. It's a spooky movie, and I don't oh. want to be scared. <laughs> I don't feel that it's that's. I mean, there. It's a Del Toro movie. Shut so. up, Ryan. Shut up. It's scary. There's a guy with eyeballs on his hands. It's scary. Spoilers, Brendan. Spoilers. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm excited. I, I've been looking forward to because I, I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth in quite a while, and I've heard some good things about the Aviator. So that's another one I've wanted to see for oh, a while. This is a matchup not. I've really wanted to watch for a while now, because uh, from what I know, these are very different movies. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> are they both but World War One, two? They both know. have Howard Hughes in it. Interesting. Just like the Rocketeer in the Aviator. <laughs> All right, uh, I, I didn't know Pan's Labyrinth is World War One or World War Two. Yeah. It's one of those. All right. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I think we had some good discussions here today. I think brought, brought up some good points for each. So, yeah, check uh, check the movies out. And until next time, when we watch the Aviator. Or no no no, uh, Pan's Labyrinth is next, and then the Aviator. Yeah, Pan's so. Labyrinth is next. Yeah, in in that order. But till then, bye bye everybody, and have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not getting any more natural with that. <laughs>